Nah, I'm sorry, I didn't realize we were going yet. Since are we starting? Are you kidding? Okay, no, I'm sorry. How normally... long have you been in radio? Shut up. <laughs> I'm normally very good about this. All right. Uh, Scotty came up with the following speech. Now get it, Wapo. Many presents have been coming for your birthday. German has the only presents I want. <laughs> Guns. Guns under the name of El Wapo will be hanging on everyone's lips. He will be here, Wapo. But I think you will like your other presents, too. I have put many beautiful piñatas in the storeroom, each of them filled with little surprises. Many piñatas? Oh, yes, many. Would you say I have a plethora of piñatas? A what? A plethora. Oh, yes. <laughs> you have a plethora. Jefe, what is a plethora? Why, guapo? Well, you told me I have a plethora. And I just would like to know if you know what a plethora is. I would not like to think that a person would tell someone he has a plethora and find out that that person has no idea what it means to have a plethora. Forgive me, guapo. I know that I, Jefe, do not have your superior intellect and education. But could it be that once again you are angry at something else and are looking to take it out on me? Like what, Jefe? Could it be because you are turning 40 today? No. Could it be because Carmen chooses to sleep in her cell instead of with you? Mm. Why don't you just take her? When you want cattle, you take the cattle. When you want food, you take the food. When you want a woman, you just take the woman. Thank you, Scotty. Life lessons from it. Wapo. I was so afraid you were going to pull the My Little Buttercup segment for that show. Well done. All right. The pleasure of pinatas thing is pretty great. Uh, it's uh, three minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and it's the month of October, the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly auspicious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. First email of the day. Subject line, Scotty J does something right. Fantastic. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Thank you for cutting off the part of the end about how... About the woman opening up like a beautiful flower. Which is just icky. Really is all manner of off-putting. All right. It's 503-733-2970. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is uh, Friday. And welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. You want to get on board with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, uh, your what have you. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Let me ask you this right now, Sarah. If I were to ask you if you had the Bill Pullman speech, like, racked and ready to go, would that be yes? Do you just sort of keep it, like, at every at, at, at all moments before the show? Less than an hour. Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. I don't even want to know how you do that, and I really don't. I really don't know. Maybe you've got it on YouTube. Maybe you've got it isolated. Maybe you've got it edited down and just stored on your desktop, and behind some sort of virtual glass to break in case of an emergency. 
I don't want to know. I'm just glad to know it's always there. I sleep a little bit. You know what it is? He's like Jack Nicholson on the wall of Guantanamo. I sleep a little bit better at night knowing that Bill Pullman is sitting there waiting to be played at any moment. In less than an hour. Okay. Thank you. It's 503-733-2970. Scotty J is standing by, uh, ready, willing, and able to pass along your calls about the interesting, the tedious, the groundbreaking, the mundane, uh, the whatever. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am or Scotty J at 970.am or Tim at 970.am. I don't know. I already, did I give Tim's twice? I don't know. It's one of those days already. Are you eating one of those South Beach bars? I'm so hungry today. <laughs> I already ate like a, a I'm crappy. Starving. Um, I already ate a prepackaged <laughs> ham and cheese sandwich from the plaid pantry. Had a pressing as that. Yeah. And that just wasn't enough. So On now I'm white eating bread. White bread and like three Ugh. slices of that bag. That bad like a sub Carl Buttig ham. I know. And then just a piece of bad processed cheese. Well, I took the bus today, so I didn't get to stop at Safeway or Fred Meyer like I usually do. And why'd you take the bus? Because my bike's here. Oh, okay. So and it won't right. fit in my car. I've got to ride at no, home. No, so. Fair enough. Okay, I can see that. Now, I, 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 do you do this when you eat at the Plaid Pantry? Do you go through cycles with your food where you will go for, I don't know, like three, four, five, eight, nine visits to the Plaid Pantry in a row where you eat the same thing, and then eventually you just get sick to the teeth of it and you have to switch to something else yep. one aisle over? For a while, it was that bad selection of sandwiches they have. And if you're talking about the same ones that I am, it is like two pieces of white bread with the terrible meat and cheese between it, which he then cuts slantways and seals up in plastic. And the thing is that bread is so disgusting and squashy that I would actually have to bring it over here, disassemble the sandwiches in the kitchen, toast the bread, and put it back together. Because that bread was so bad otherwise, it would just stick to the up, to like the roof of your mouth. I mean, it really was like one step above Wonder Bread. So. No, I think it is Wonder Bread. Yeah. All right. Ugh. And then I'm. <laughs> you've got that look on your face too. The, I was eating too much. I stopped. The look like you just ate something out of a gas station vending machine. All right. Those South Beach bars are not bad though. Mm-hmm. I can get on board with those. You just have to overlook. You have to overlook the guy who sells them to you. That's the whole thing. Uh-huh. You have to think about not him. You have to. You have to try to block out the image of him slowly licking each package before he puts it on the shelf. Ew. Don't think about that. Whatever you do. Uh, all right. Uh, here's what's coming up today. It is Friday. Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us today. I have no idea what some of these notes on the CNN prep sheet mean. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm disengaged from my own radio program. Like I don't actually, like I don't take a hands-on approach to each day's broadcast because I do. But I'm not the one who actually physically makes the call to CNN every day. That would be Scotty J. And so Scotty called in today, and we were going to talk to Steve Kastenbaum. Well, A, there's this developing Madonna story. And but it's just written here in some sort of a some sort of a personalized scrawl. It just says plus lipstick. So I don't really know what that's about. But apparently Steve Kastenbaum is going to be weighing in on Madonna and lipstick. Uh, Lisa Desjardins will talk to us about Al Gore. So I didn't. I, this is how out of touch with everything in the world I am. If it doesn't happen within like the three square blocks surrounding my home, or if it's not on Google Maps, I don't really follow it. I, I knew that they were mentioning the phrase Nobel Peace Prize and Al Gore in the same sentence, but I didn't know that it happened. When did that happen? When did they give that out? Was it yesterday or over the yes. weekend? It just happened. You know, if they had John Stewart or Whoopi Goldberg or somebody host that, maybe people might pay attention to it. Anyway, so apparently Al Gore won the oh, Nobel it's not Peace like Prize. A TV show. Really? I'm not or missing. Mis- program with people dancing on stage. If they right interpretive dance. Or somebody throwing somebody over their shoulders to break your teeth. That's, <laughs> that's if, not that type of if program. If the Nobel Peace Prize awards, if the awards for peace started out with the savage beating of Johnny Fairplay. 
<laughs> we will be giving out the Nobel Prize Awards for peace. But first, we are going to kick Johnny Fairplay in the scrotum until he bleeds to death. Well, I think that's the kind of award show that you oh, want to oh, oh, no. This, this isn't like that. I love a pay-per-view. I'd watch that. They Okay. They ought to really, instead of the Nobel Peace Prize, they really ought to have one for the Nobel... Uh, what is the opposite of... I don't say war doesn't have the same flow to it. The Nobel... Really like a Nobel ass-beating prize. Hosted by David Allen Coe. Well, in any event, Al Gore really won the Nobel Peace Prize? Yeah. They're not. It wasn't like a fake one filled with chocolate or something. It was... The, Covered in foil. Well, okay. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I mean, not that I really care. I just... Do they just give those to anybody now? It sort of seems to have been devalued a little bit. Well, there's very little peace going on anywhere, so I mean, they have to get the closest thing. No, that's, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. I'm not... Uh, please, don't get me I wrong. Have, I mean, you know, Nobel torturing prize. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> the this Nobel maiming more, prize. more than qualified to do that. <laughs> the Nobel pain prize. Oh, 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 come on. There ought to be a WWE like SummerSlam spectacular called the Nobel Pain Prize. The Waterboarding oh. Award? The wa if you Google peace. that right now, I bet that has been done. I'm looking up Nobel Pain Prize right now. and Waterboarding for freedom. I am trademarking that right now. Let's oh, see. my God. Nothing? Nothing. Wait, let me, let me put it in quotation marks. Now the the only see the only uh, the Nobel Pain Prize. I see one one result, but it's for like cattle roping. Does that look like cattle roping to you? I'm going to the website. Nobel Pain Prize. This looks Social like trail one, riders. This looks like one fleeting mention. Uh, this looks like one fleeting mention in a thing <laughs> for cowboys or something. Or no, it's bicyclists. This is for cyclists. Because there's a picture, there's a bunch of guys, yeah, it's, it's, it's in the Southern California mountain, mountain biking, biking community. community. Well, the F them. What are they ever going to use it for? The Nobel Pain Prize. I am calling that right now, you sons of bitches. I don't care if these mountain bikers are using it like last year. I am all over that. Maybe Susan can put something together for and us. You, oh, man, can you totally see? We ought to give that out. We ought to demand that we start issuing every year the Nobel Pain Prize. Who would get? Who would get that, though? Who would you even award it to? I'm filled with excitement and exuberance at this new idea. Can't you see Hulk Hogan tearing some of his clothing off? Uh, you know, standing next to Vince McMahon. You know, you're coming into the cage, and only one man's walking out with the Nobel Pain Prize. And then the graphic would just go, and it would be a medal slamming down on the screen. The Nobel Pain Prize. What about that? Poor Find woman out who, who wins. Was, uh, what about that poor woman who was hung by her husband and got away in Spokane? I don't know what you're talking about. He tied a noose around her neck in their own home haunted house and tried to hang her. Oh, but you got to wait about that. Don't go into a haunted home with a spouse who's divorcing you. Yeah. That's going to end poorly. The Nobel Pain Prize. Well, we've done our work here. We can just go home. Yeah. We've accomplished all we need to get done and today. Are you really Friday. that proud of that? I really am proud of that. You didn't think of it. And actually, it's neither not... did I. The bicyclist did. Exactly. I'm stealing it from them. I did think of it myself. You probably found it on the internet that you can steal. I'm telling you. That right there is a world wrestling special event title. I gotta call up Vince McMahon right now and sell that to him. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, Rachel McGrath will be joining us later to make more snobby Brit comments in my general direction and act as though it's excruciatingly painful to endure my comments for even two minutes. I do love her, but but we, you know, speaking of Nobel pain, part of the reason I think Rachel McGrath, not unlike that um, that episode of of Mad Men last night. Where um, 
Don't tell no, me. No, no, no. I won't spoil anything. I won't spoil anything. But there is one character says to another, and this was in the preview from last week, so okay. it's not a spoiler. Okay. But one character says to another, a man says to a, to a female character, he says, he says, the worse you at, the worse you treat me, he says, the worse you treat me, the more I love you. And that really is my thing with Rachel McGrath. Really, the, really, the more cruel Rachel is to me, the more fond I grow of her. Well, maybe keep getting good with her by knowing that Roger Moore has been awarded a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Is that true? Yes, it is. All right. So, Rachel McGrath, we're here to talk about Britney Spears, who made an unexpected appearance in an L.A. court. And there are developments in the Anna Nicole Smith story. So, we'll get that today as well. Doctor is being Steve Kastenbaum, Rachel McGrath, Lisa Desjardins, uh, Nicole Arcade will be in the studio later on today. About uh, 1.30 or so. Nicole Arcade will be here. They'll uh, do a couple songs for us. My Scott... hot friend, uh, Kelsey, might be coming in, too. Kelsey from the video? Well, we'll talk about that in a second. I'm going to yeah. note to myself, video. Uh... So Nickel Arcade's going to be in the studio. We'll talk to Scott Dowley from FilmFeverRadio.com. Uh, we will get to today's Office Confidential. I meant to get to that yesterday, and then it didn't happen. Uh, but we will get to it uh, today. Um, something else. Something else. And it did seem, and this isn't my normal something else, where I'm saying that because there's a bunch of little things floating around in my head like spare change inside a dryer. There really was something I was going to talk about that seemed large and important. That doesn't matter. You know what matters? The Nobel Pain Prize. Tim Riley's working in the following stories for your edification today. They're vast and endless. Uh, and changing every moment. First, the Pennsylvania mom is accused of buying weapons for her teenage son who planned to go on a killing spree at school. No charges have been filed against a hungry six-year-old who tried to drive himself to Applebee's. Attention, ladies. Lead has been found in your lipstick. Will winning a Nobel Prize convince Al Gore to run for the presidency? Or does he find his current work more fulfilling than running for public office? John Edwards says an inquirer story of him cheating on his wife are untrue. Britney's new album cover has been seen. And Ann Coulter opens her trap and more bats fly out. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I forgot that John Edwards existed. I mean, I, I haven't thought about that guy in probably two or three weeks. He's still around. All right. I don't know for what. He is a professional candidate. I don't know for what reason. He's just sort of there. All right, uh, so all of that is coming up. Uh, we are joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello, and how are you today? Hello. All right. I'm oh, doing well. So before we do anything else, we should back up a little bit. We should say that your reference uh, to, uh, I believe this is your term, your hot friend Kelsey. Um, I'm just saying, I don't I wish know, to appear kidding. lecherous. I was just trying to make sure. Uh, so uh, if, you have, if you are not familiar uh, with, uh, with, uh, with the latest... Well, let me, how do I, let me put it this way. Go to rickemerson.com, and I think it's on your side, too, and you can see the latest project of both Sarah and our good friend Joni DeRoshi, our friend Chris Morris, etc. There's a music video out that you are in, mm-hmm. which is for a band, a, ba- a band called Nicodemus, and they're this progressive goth uh, metal band, and it is a song called And It Becomes You, mm-hmm. and it's this seven-minute song that I can't even really describe the video before it. It's sort of this weird Betty Page, Irving Claw, 1950s burlesque. It's I a, think that's a good description. You've seen it, Tim. Yeah, it, it's like if you go to a 1930s peep show. That's, I mean, but see, do you see why it's awkward for me to try to describe Sarah's in this peep show video? But it's not a peep, it's, it's not like it, graphic. It's a, or... it's a classy peep show it's video classy. from the 1930s. <laughs> These are classy dames it, inside this joint. Noir. Beer, three for one. Yeah, the, I mean, that's sort of, it is very much uh, like the old school kind of, um, I hate to keep saying Betty Page because that's such an overused and generic term, but it is very much like that. That's probably the best way to explain it. So go to rickemerson.com, 
Uh, scroll down and look for the blog posting two, three days ago. I think it's called Who's That Girl is the name of the blog. Uh, and there's a, you can watch the video for it. Uh, but uh, but Sarah's in the video. Uh, our friend Sarah Moon is in the video, too. And uh, this girl, Kelsey, who it turns out actually works just down the street from us. I know. I just I ride my bike by her every day, and I didn't even realize it. So it, it's, it, there's really no way for me to adequately promote the video without sounding as though I am being lecherous or prurient in some fashion. So I will simply say that there's a bunch of chicks scantily clad tying each other up and I think hitting each other at one point. Oh, there's no hitting. Yes, I think there's spanking, isn't there? Isn't there spanking at some point? They're adjusting their whole jury. No, there's no... See, that's what your mind is filled in. Maybe because Joni's involved, I just assume there's spanking in it. Yeah, Joni does like the spanking. It's tastefully done. (laughs) The spanking. The spanking's tastefully done. Tasteful spanking. It's done on an ottoman. Uh, oh, Kelsey's totally the star of that. She is just like a little vixen. Yeah, so you should go check that out. Make sure that your IT person and your HR people are not leaning, leaning over you. There's no nudity or anything. But, I'm, but yeah, but it is. Yeah, there's no, there's no nudity. There's no anything. No nudity. But I mean, somebody walks by the desk and you're watching some girl tie up another girl. It's just going to go over poorly. So just make sure that you have the, you know, the cubicle is sort of deserted when you do that. Uh, and a couple notches above that on my page, you will see a link to uh, a short film that was submitted for the 48 our film festival last month, and Kelsey's actually in that, too. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so uh, we may or may, well, may, may or may not talk to her today. If no, we, I just bumped into her this morning, and she's a cool girl, and I wanted an excuse to have her on the air. All right, so, um, okay, so we're, I, I don't want to get behind today, because we really did get terribly behind yesterday. So we have Lisa Desjardins coming up at the bottom of the hour. Later on this hour, Steve Kastenbaum, then the news hour, then Rachel McGrath, then Nicole Arcade. Uh, then Scott Daly. I have now, though, just a brief list of observations I'm going to make. Uh, these are things that have cropped up in my head over the last couple of days, and I just want to get them done before the week is over so I don't have to dwell on them over the weekend. Uh, one of these is Sarah's. A, it is impossible to take a man named Skyler seriously, especially when he reaches the age of 45. And this is something you had actually said to me the other day, because we were talking about guys who have names that work when they are like 20 or 25, Mm -hmm. but that it will be impossible to take seriously once they hit middle age. Like if you were to, like like a like a 60 year old guy named like Skippy. Well, I wasn't even going to say that, but like Todd. Like I just can't picture a 60 year old Todd, and I especially can't picture a 60 year old 60 year old Skyler. And I have met in the last year probably four different kids who have been named Skyler. I mean, these are men I'm talking about who have been named so Skyler that their by parents their parents. Are inadvertently sending them to an early expiration. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's uh, it, it's going to be weird in about 20 years when there's a bunch of guys with white hair and power ties sitting behind a desk deciding your fate, and the guy named Skyler. It's just not going to. I can't take an old person named Skyler seriously. B. We have got to come up with a substitute for the phrase pressing the flesh. Pressing the flesh is a wholly expressive term, but it's also unfortunately revolting. And I find myself using that phrase every now and again because I have no better phrase to use. I don't have anything to, to work as a substitute. And so, you know, I'll talk about how, you know, well, if I'm gonna, we're going to be making an appearance somewhere, or if the station's going to be out somewhere, or if there's going to be some sort of industry or <clears throat> social gathering that I feel like I need to go to because there's going to be, you know, the people there you want to stay in contact with. So what do I always say? Well, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna go to that station thing tonight and, uh, you know, press the flesh a little bit, which just sounds... 
Makes you sound like a plastic surgeon. It either makes me sound like a plastic surgeon, a butcher, or a guy who walks around wearing his mother's skin in the moonlight. And I don't want to sound like any of those things, however accurate the description may be. So we have got to come up. I'm not asking you to do it right now. Maybe you think on it. Maybe it's a weekend project for you. Maybe you try to build the phrase in the garage, and then you give it to me for a Christmas present. We've got to come up with some sort of a substitute for pressing the flesh. Uh, pointless observation number three. Most awkward thing you can refer to a woman as being? Frisky. Please do not refer to women as being frisky ever again. If you do this, we will take you out and put you down behind the barn. And finally, uh, we've had the hobo spider infestation in southeast Portland, but i got to tell you this. Last night, I go to put my bike in the garage because I did bicycle yesterday. I bike home, I open the garage, and this is the second year in a row this has happened to me. I wheel the bike into the garage, and what do I see? A gigantic black widow about six inches in front of my face when I walk into the garage. Are you sure it was a black widow and not just a black spider? Shiny black body, big red thing on its stomach. Ooh. I mean, and look, and I'm the first to admit that maybe there's some other spider that looks like that. Maybe there's some... Maybe it's not a black widow. Maybe there's some sort of, you know, gray spinster spider or whatever that is just really, really kind of like a black widow. But if I see a shiny black spider with a red thing on it, I am not gonna, I'm not gonna go find an entomologist and have him come in and start, you know, start sampling DNA. So you know, you know what I love about living in America? In America, you always, at every moment, have ready access to chemicals. And so I just walked into the sink and I got one of those huge, like, decimates an entire garage full of insects, bug bombs, and I went out there. And the greatest thing about it is, your realization that the insects do not know what's coming you do the, the, the sort of the highly developed brain of the homo sapiens really does give you just that little extra added layer of pleasure that the spiders in this case had no idea that their fate was upon them uh, and so it just became my own personal uh, just my own personal Vietnam just going in there just shaking it up and setting it off and then just leaving and just just decimating the entire place and as I walked away as I put the garage door down I could sort of hear the hissing inside and it was just kind of doing that thing as it sort of sprayed the uh, you know the bug killer all through the garage and it's just an immensely satisfying feeling to know that I will open up the garage today when I get home and everything that was once alive in that garage will be dead long time it really is one of those great go-humanity moments. I mean, we do a lot of bad things with chemicals, but that's a use for which I can wholeheartedly, you know, I can get behind that. All right, uh, I, we should probably break here, uh, otherwise we're going to get terribly behind. So, Lisa Desjardins at the bottom of the hour, about six minutes from now. Steve Kastenbaum, about half an hour from now. Followed by Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. You stay there, it's the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go Emerson radio program. How does it feel to be at your maximum calorie intake level already? Not at my... I already went 11, for 11.29. I went for a long walk this morning. I'm riding my bike home, and it's all uphill. Okay. I feel good. <laughs> Not really. It's like on a bar. <laughs> Excellent. That's okay. I'm actually making a mental note to myself that I'm going to leave a little... I'm going to leave a post-it on the vending machine demanding that the guys talk more of those death rain potato chips. Yeah, you can't stop talking about those. They are fantastic. I'm not... This is not a plug... Well, that's not a compensated plug in any, in any, and I'm not even asking him to leave some of those little extra bags on the table like he sometimes does. Oh, items. remember? There's that up there, too. I forgot about that. Yeah, but those are just the regular uh, chips, aren't they? Regular, but there's also, like, white cheddar cheese dips and stuff. See, the, really? Like those Cheez-Its? All right. Yeah. God, I'm a fat ass. Um, the, really, I am. I am just... 
I, and I don't think that, I really don't think my ass is getting bigger, but it's just kind of an overall sponginess that's beginning to set in. But I have to tell you, the and I don't really even like potato chips all that much. And I'm not like a health food guy, obviously, as you might have noticed. Uh, they, they, but I don't really like potato chips. They just they kind of greasy and they kind of give you that film on the inside of your mouth after a while, and you just kind of go. You know, I get about five chips into a bag of potato chips, and I kind of go, eh, I'm sort of done. Uh, but there are these things they sell in the vending machine here, and each time. He has only put in two packages of them. So he's just taunting me with it. So I gotta leave him a note. They're called they're called Death Rain. Uh, death is in the Death Rain potato chips. And these are only the medium flavor. But they're these then they're like you know, whatever, like a cheese blah 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 flavor, but then the deal is they've got all this habanero pepper. Uh habanero. As you, as they as we must now say, they are infused with habanero pepper and they are man, they're fantastic. They're unbelievably good. They're kind of like kettle chips or Tim's chips, that kind of real crisp peanut oil kind of a thing, mm -hmm. but much, much hotter, much spicier. So have you got a chance to try the, uh, I think they're from a company called Blair's, uh, Blair's Death Rain Potato Chips. They really are quite, uh, they're quite something. Uh, all right, well, I guess in a moment, that moment being three minutes ago, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Uh, coming up later, other things and stuff. And... Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Why, Hello morning um you could call in shake a, a grip and grin hold on can, he, can we just hold on for just one second sir you know yeah, what yeah, that, just one second sir you know that was instant karma for you hanging up on the guy yesterday at the end of the show Carol, because the button was still turned off oh i didn't hang up on him we ran out of time i'm just well no we were we had no choice but to hang up on him he left you no choice he didn't give you another way out he put the gun in your hand and made you pull the trigger <laughs> but just now that's why we couldn't hear the guy okay i'm sorry go ahead sir it's what's not up there's that the last thing you ever hear that guy say is, and another thing. Oh man, can I just tell you? Look, I, I don't, that. I I don't that. mean any disrespect to the guy who called <laughs> yesterday at the end of the program, wow. but we've got this. This guy, somebody actually just emailed about that, and they said, "Rick, I thought for sure that today's program would start with that guy who was still on the phone at the end of yesterday's show. Exactly. That, that jackass exactly. would have talked for another hour if you would let him. So, all right, how can I help you, my friend? I was going to say another another uh, word uh, expression for uh, shaking hands uh, is grip and grin. Grip and grin. That was when um, sounds like some the, sort of masturbatory reference. It does. Well, during the first Gulf War, Steve Martin, I read a, a Rolling Stone interview, and they were going over to, to um, be with the troops or something, entertain the troops, and they somehow weren't allowed to interact with them beyond. I don't remember what it was, but they were just supposed to shake their hands and smile at them, and for some reason they weren't allowed to entertain or something because it was. I don't know, a Muslim country. So, anyway, no, no say, laughter allowed. No humor, <laughs> please. We're Muslim. Well, there was a man standing next to him with a guillotine. So, yeah. I, so, I don't know, but uh, that's what they were calling it, it was grip and grin. So, it was an, an interesting. That's what know. somebody else said. They said, uh, they said schmoozing, and schmoozing is okay. That's that's all right. Uh, there's the other one I can't use. Is, I was I don't want to get into the whole thing about this, but I was talking about how I hate that phrase, that, 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 that phrase pressing the flesh. The other one is the um, they're schmoozing, there's networking. I hate it when people are networking. Uh, I just, uh, it, you know, there's just no other name for it. It's just one of those phrases that you find yourself using because you realize that it, you say it and people know exactly what you mean, but it just rolls off your tongue sort of, uh, you know, in a sort of ugly fashion. I guess you could go out and just say that you're going to go out and say howdy, but that's not <laughs> I'm going to do some howdifying. All right, thank you. Uh, hey, Scotty, if we don't hear from Lisa in a couple minutes, and, you know, it's not, I mean, I have stuff, I mean, we have things to do, but I... But Can you book her for 30 or 35? Uh, for 30. Uh, and, again, I don't, I'm really not complaining about it. Um, I'm just saying it, it's not about... 
Yeah. Just because if, if, if we don't, if she calls late, it's going to run into Steve's time like it did yesterday. So it's not that I know stuff I can be doing. It's just that if Lisa calls in five minutes, that's going to give us like six minutes with her before the phone starts beeping at me because it's Steve on the other line. If you could look into that, that would be, uh, be fantastic. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Rick, how you doing, buddy? What's up? Well, uh, I'd like to get back to potato chips. Now, I am on your side. I wholly loathe essentially all potato chips, you know, as they are. They are greasy, disgusting, lace potato chips. Hey, you want some lace? No, I really don't. Thanks for the offer, though. <laughs> but, but, but when it comes to kettle chips, kettle chips are fantastic. They have a lot of new flavors that are so-so, but there's one in particular you and everybody listening must try. It is called Cheddar Beer Potato Chips. They are fantastic. Now, here's, here's a dumb question. Do they taste like cheddar and beer? Um, they don't really taste like beer, but I think beer may have something to do with the uh, uh, production of them. But, uh, man, if you like tangy, cheddary deliciousness, you got to try them. This they're, is why I'm sort of torn on the whole thing about this guy stocking more of those death rain potato chips in the machine, because I know that the thing is, he put in two packages about two weeks ago. I ate them both. He put in, it's going to be like that chocolate Chex Mix all over again. He put in two packages uh, late last week. I ate them both. I will tell you this. As soon as he decides to fill an entire row with those, I'm going to consume the entire row. Yeah, and then yeah. I'm just going to become even larger and more portly. And nobody needs that. So. And, and, and isn't that how it always is? The best things, there are few and far between. But, of course, there are like four rows of old-ass Funyuns from like 1997, <laughs> right? The old-ass Funyuns. I mean, who needs that, really? really? Honestly, no, I'm I'm with you on that, sir. It's Thank you. disgusting. Thank Excellent. you, sir. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, my friend. All right. Uh, where do you fall down on the big Tim's kettle uh, debate? They're okay. I don't really, I'm not a big potato chip kind of person. See, that's the thing is I really only go with the Tim's chips, and even then, it's some, I can take the sour cream and onion uh, occasionally, but mm -hmm. I'm with the Tim's jalapeno. That's really the, the only potato chip that I will actually I did have some really out. good, like, pickle chips um, the other day over at Kiki's house. Did, you ever, did I ever bring in those chips that taste like chicken? Yes. Oh, a, well, a long time ago, you did. From Britain. Yeah, they're fantastic. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Radio Program. From the Hill, singing on radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hey, guys. What's up with you, sister? Not much. Just finished this uh, crazy Al Gore news conference. He just spoke in Palo Alto. Okay, and by the way, uh, I should just say this by way of a uh, the thing. You know, my mental... Uh, how funny that just now I couldn't come up with the word for the thing that helps yes. you come up with words. Thanks. My mental thesaurus is is the pages are all stuck together today for some reason. I just can't quite get it to work. Um, but by by way of a prior sort of warning apology, I uh, I have Scotty. Oh, for the love of God, Scotty, why is the phone ringing now? <laughs> Okay. Oh, I know that drives you crazy. No, it's there was a whole thing and which to which I ascri I ascribe no blame. <laughs> uh, to, to you about this. Um, but 11.30 had, had sort of come and gone. And I said, hey, you know what? Uh, I know that Lisa gets very busy sometimes. Why don't you, why don't you drop a call to CNN and right. just make sure that we're all still on for 11.30. Right. Uh, and then there was a whole thing and whatever. And so now the phone is ringing and it's somebody else. And it can't be Steve because he's not calling for like 20 minutes. So you know what? I'm going to ignore whoever that is. All right. Whoever's calling in on the other line is dead to me. You know what? I'm going to um, send a little instant message to Steve through our CNN system and ask him if he's calling you guys. Really? Yeah. It's okay. magical. And do that. Do, do, do actually do do it office style. Don't even message it yourself. Message as the CNN computer system come to life. Oh, having achieved self awareness. Yes. Messages. I have. Who am I? How did I suddenly become alive? Who are you? <laughs> um. 
All right. It, well, so let, before we plunge on into everything else, what do you think of this phrase? Like, let's say if you were to be flipping by and you were to see this advertised as an upcoming uh, world wrestling spectacular. If you were flipping by, let's say, Turner Classic Movies late at night, and you saw them advertising uh, an upcoming WWE spectacular called, wait for it, the Nobel Pain Prize. <laughs> Come on. Huh? That was a courtesy laugh. Huh? It was, yeah, I say back, you know, back in the 80s. I might have been on board that train, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm saying every, I totally agree with you, Lisa. Everything that's old is new again. I'm saying the 80s, they've never been bigger. They weren't even bigger in the 80s. So we get Chuck Norris to host it. Uh, we get The Rock to come out and, and break something. Uh, you, you have something that, uh, you know, that's on fire. Uh, and, then, and then a guy says, oh, yeah, a lot. And then they just, <laughs> and then they just give, you know, and then, and, then, uh, you know, and then they play a tearful montage video of uh, Andre the Giant. We all cry. Well, I think I think perhaps among the holes in this uh, proposal uh, is is, <laughs> is the actual uh, syntax and words. Like I think Nobel Pain Prize. It doesn't really. I know that you've got the alliteration and all, but it doesn't really sound like the Nobel Peace Prize. So maybe the Nobel Grease Prize would be a better semantic way. But even that. I don't is, even know what that award would so, be for. It, well, I'm I'm, give, I'm it's a it's a concept. Work with me. No, I I don't I don't know either. Uh, yeah, I, I, th I think that, that just came immediately to mind. I also, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe if you could involve Sweden, perhaps maybe you'll get something. Okay. I don't know. I'm not feeling it. All right, fine, fine, whatever. I will avoid, by the way, the hackneyed observation that the Nobel Peace Prize is named after a guy who created an explosive. You know, I won't, <laughs> I won't take the time to point that out. Right, right. All right, That's fine, sure. whatever. You know what? You guys can, you guys can trod all over my marketing uh, acumen. It's fine. I remain undaunted. Well, meanwhile, Kastenbaum says it's not him. All right. Well, well, screw whoever that is. Um, unless it's somebody we like and need to stay in good terms with. In really? which case, I respect you immensely, whoever you might be. <laughs> hey, so I don't mean to diminish uh, the importance of global warming and the, the, the whatnot and the hey-hey and the saving the cute fuzzy <laughs> bears and the so forth. But do, 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 I, yeah. I, I just... How do I put this? I don't mean to sound uh, contrary or confrontational or whatever, but I mean... Does the Nobel Peace Prize mean what it used to mean? And I don't, I'm not trying to be snarky about it. I mean, really, honestly, is is this a thing that really does carry the weight it once did, or is it has it just become has it just become a way for folks to ideologically stick their finger in the eye of whatever the current administration is? Well, when asked about this exact question, whether this is really kind of a slap at Bush, the folks in charge of the Nobel Prize actually responded and said, no, you know, we've never used the Nobel Prize. I think their phrase was something like to, to kick at people. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about the Swedish, <laughs> what, it, what, it, what it was like actually in Swedish. But they say, no, that that's not the case. A lot of people are asking that. Is, is, you know, have, have we, is, do you have to make a movie now and you get a Nobel Peace Prize? But if you look at people who have won these prizes recently, it really is a, a varied group. You've got uh, the woman in Africa who essentially uh, is, is planting trees and, and is really trying to raise agriculture in Africa and with two purposes, of course, farming and also to try and fight uh, a lot of different environmental problems there. Uh, you've got the man who I think is from India, somewhere from the southern continent i hope that's not wrong it could be indonesia but somewhere in south asia who has who started the microcredit movement uh so there are a lot of unsung heroes that this award has 
recognize as well as Aung San Suu Kyi, who's in Myanmar slash Burma. You know, I wonder if this isn't a problem like a problem that may be parallel to say the Ten Commandments. You know, when they came out, did people think it was a big deal? Ah, he's got a tablet, he's got some rules. Big deal. We've had a lot of rules for a long time, but uh, years later, they turned out to be incredibly important. Now, I wasn't around when Martin Luther King received the Nobel Peace Prize. I don't know how it was uh, interpreted then, and it may have been interpreted similarly as a slight on uh, certainly the, United, the, the U.S. South and segregationist policies. But I think the prize has been used to make a state, state, big, bold statements like this before. So I guess my a big change. My question, I guess, would be this. And again, and this is somebody actually just emailed in, says a question for Lisa, and this he actually echoes. I, in fact, I will read his email verbatim because it echoes what, what I was going to say, which is, uh, Rick, not to be snarky about, I love that word, not to be snarky about Al Gore winning the Nobel Peace Prize, but what does global warming have to do with peace? Mm. What are the requirements to win the prize? And again, I, whatever, you know, save whales, save trees, save whatever, I don't care. But it, it really does seem like this is an award that it was originally for one thing that is now being used to just sort of reward like whatever they feel like. General causes, right? Yeah. Or kind of cause you want. There, I think there, there, is a, there is a large group of, of critics that are the same as you guys that say, okay, we don't, we don't want the world to burn up. We don't want our oceans to overrun our continents, but we're not sure this is really the, what the Nobel Peace Prize was created for. What the Nobel laureates said in awarding this is that, and, and others have made this claim, and this is also why they awarded this in part to that woman from Africa, is that the fight over resources is, is, one of the central uh, reasons for conflict on Earth, and that if indeed, you know, global warming advances to the extent that Al Gore is predicting, and there are a lot of questions about whether, about did he exaggerate or how, how bad is the problem, uh, then they're, they're saying, yes, this, this could lead to co- conflict across the world for various reasons, the mass migrations of people, and, and in that way, you see how it does fit under the Nobel Peace uh, kind of category. Is this going to be something that that puts the idea in his head that he's got to run for president again? It sounds like that's a no. It sounds like there are tons of people telling him he should run, but, and he does apparently, one source pretty close to Al Gore uh, is telling other reporters here, it's seeing another reporter that I know, that he does have the ambition and drive to potentially be president, that he still kind of has that taste in his mouth, but that he now sees two things. One, that it really is too late to get into the race. And two, that he thinks Hillary Clinton you know, would, would be just as good Boy. on global warming, and that if she falters, he may consider it. But right now, he's happy with her to just take the mantle and run. You know, it's interesting if you read, um, God, what was the, what is, what is the book that I am, that I am thinking about? And I can't, I cannot remember now for the life of me what the book was. Um, it may have been the agenda, which is the Woodward book about about the about the Clintons' first term. Yeah. Um, but he talks about how early on, you know, that when when they when they were running, that Gore was so much they called him Ozone Man and whatever. He was so much the guy that protecting the earth, and he was very much an environmental activist. But then once he got into office, like you never heard him say another word about it. Uh, that he just he, relatively speaking, he just kind of shut up about it uh, while he was vice president, and that he's able. If it really is what he what he feels like he's he's meant to do, uh, then it probably politically.
politically and I would say morally is really he ought to just, you know, stick with what he's doing now and just, you know, because you can't, mm-hmm. you know, you can't be president and pursue your pet cause all, all at the same time. It just doesn't work. So. Right. And in a way, if he was running for president, he has said these things in his statement that he released today, though not in his spoken statement from a few minutes ago. In his statement, he said, this is basically a spiritual global problem. This is not a political problem. And as others have pointed out, if he were to run for president, he would be making this political and could very well distract uh, or even undermine a lot of the distance he's been able to make on this issue, the direction he wants it to go in. He, he could very well take many steps back because he'd be attacked from, from all sides for different reasons if he was running for president. All right, before we go, do you have a better suggestion for the phrase, pressing the flesh? Pressing the flesh, ugh. I just despise that phrase, but I find myself using it with the greater and greater frequency, and I'm trying I to find some... I that one, but you're right. I, don't, I, I definitely do not like that either. My latest verbal pet peeve, uh-huh. actually it's been going on for, for maybe a year and a half now. People in Washington do this. It drives me crazy. When, when they're a little bit on the defensive but don't want to act it, they'll say, look, and then yeah. my answer. Which drives, t- drives me crazy. It's typically only something you see in the, in the movies, but now it has started to infiltrate real life as well. It's, oh, it's horrible. And I'll, I'll be interviewing uh, sort of these, these flacks for different candidates or for whomever politically, and, 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 and it's almost to say, that's a ridiculous question. I'll say, well, didn't your guy vote against us? And then he changed his mind. And they'll say, look. <laughs> sort of, and it's sort of, a, it's sort of a linguistic batting away of your question. That's, what it, what, that's a crazy question. Look, you look. silly girl. Your exactly. questions are of no importance to me. Exactly. Drives me nuts. All right. Enjoy your weekend. Say hi to Jason for us. As always, we will talk to you next week. Hello to Steve. Okay. All right. There you go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Lisa Desjardins calling from the hill there you go all right i have no idea if that was steve calling on the other line or not apparently they've got some some weird i think it was back channel instant messaging uh you know lol system going on there at cnn so we'll find out i'll just sit and stare at the phone until the name appears on the screen how exciting for us all <laughs> don't be smart uh let's uh, i didn't even get a chance to play the don't hang noodles off my ears <laughs> just really want let's uh Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, the one and only Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey. Hi. How are you, my brother? A little tired. Still a little under the weather. Oh, yeah. You know what? The, and there's a, there's a whole lot of, um, It's I think the technical term for it is gunk. It's just a whole lot of gunk going around. Yeah. Uh, I think I caught the gunk this week. Yeah. Catching the gunk. The Steve Kastenbaum oh, story. That. No, it's bad. Uh, well, Court down the hall had it, right? It, that thing where it really did sound as though someone had replaced his lungs, not with Folgers crystals so much, but with just a sort of gelatinous sludge of some kind. Yeah, and you sort of feel like that's what it is. Yeah, like you're just sort of having to breathe everything through many, many folds of wet Kleenex. All, it, all kinds of bad. It's really fun when, you, when you're like that and, and you, you talk on a microphone for a living and you hear yourself in the headphones. <laughs> and you think about everybody who used the microphone microphone before you that day <laughs> and how they're so devoted they come to work even when they're stricken with the plague yeah so it's a whole lot of <laughs> hey steve <laughs> you'll be out of here just a <laughs> you know and the only which is we go to radio stations and you've probably seen this you go to radio stations and there'll be that ever-present um in the, the, the spray can of lysol in the <laughs> yes. corner uh-huh. which engineers have started over the years they've started removing that from the studios it's not around a lot of studios anymore because engineers would have one too many times where they walked into the studio and they just saw some idiot jackhole DJ spraying the Lysol directly into a microphone, which is like a $900 piece of very carefully calibrated electric equipment. Right. So all we have now, we have the um, those Lysol handy wipe things 
They don't really do the same job. But what are you going to do? Oh. And then and then they spray the Lysol on the uh, on the mixer board, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Um, well, let me, before we, I'll make this kind of this quick then, before we fritter away your remaining life force just on my stupid observations about illness. Um, Scotty has written down a word here that, and I don't understand this because there's no the context given for it. It just says, Steve Kastenbaum plus lipstick. Oh, I have no, and the, really, the permutations of what this might mean, you know, in my head, the, the variations on the theme are just endless. So you'll have to tell me what it is. Well, it's not my Halloween costume, I'll tell you that much. All it's right. It's got to do with lead in lipstick. And uh, this organization called the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics, they did some testing and they found out that there is some truth to that uh, wives' tale that there's lead in lipstick in, in certain brands. I have never heard that old wives' tale. Apparently, I didn't know this, but there's been an email going around uh, telling people, you know, don't buy certain lipsticks, it's loaded with lead. And for the longest time, it's been said that that's, that was another one of those email hoaxes. Well, apparently it's not a hoax. They're saying that uh, the, top brand, the top brands that tested positive for lead included L'Oreal, uh, Color Rich, True Red, L'Oreal, Color Rich, Classic Wine, Cover Girl, Incredible Lip Color, uh, Dior Addict, and I think that's it right now on this list here. But what they're saying is they're really not large quantities of lead, but over time, if you think about a woman, oh, sorry about that, if you think about, um, you know, how many times a woman is applying lipstick every day and, and you know, licking her lips perhaps or whatever, you know, there's a cumulative effect when it comes to lead. Is lead just sort of the new, like, search with retin? Now it's just everything with lead? I mean, why, for what possible reason would there be lead in your lipstick? I don't know. I really don't know just to how be they cookie? manufacture it. I guess it's part of... Uh, Part of the makeup of, of the uh, I, I always thought that they they make cosmetics out of uh, like uh, gelatinous leftover stuff from I always just thought it was horse hooves. I assume everything is horse hooves. That's what I thought it was from like the um, from uh, the beef industry, like the byproducts of, uh, of the beef industry. I thought that's what they made cosmetics. Coating your lips with spare bits of beef. Yeah. Um, the thing I always heard, and this is when I was in high school. I don't know if this is a product the kids still use. Uh, but when I was in high school, uh, they sold, it was called, it, did they still, the kids still use Carmex? Oh, I don't know what that is. It's like a know. chapstick. It's like in a, a little, like, peach tub? Oh, uh, it was, it's in like a little white, it, when I was a kid, it was like in a little okay. white, a little white circular tub with a yellow top. And it was like chapstick. It was like an, an emollient or whatever it is they call it. Um, and it has camphor in it and whatever. And it was like, it was supposed to keep your lips, you know, butter soft or whatever the hell. Um, but we always heard, there was this urban legend that went around that, what was it that they were supposedly putting in camera? It was something just really crazy, like fiberglass or something. It was, you know, it was, and there was always some weird bit of twisted logic behind it. Like there was another urban legend that went around. This is really unpleasant. There was an urban legend that went around years ago that a prominent manufacturer of, wait for it, of, oh, I was going to say female tampons, but it, it, I guess that's redundant. There was this urban legend years ago that a prominent manufacturer of tampons was actually. Uh, for reasons that I will not go into here, was actually using, like, bits of fiberglass in the construction. And so I, I just always assume that stuff like this is like, is like that. Um, just to, to segue real abruptly and with no uh, real attempt at a transition, we had talked yesterday about this Madonna thing, and it's funny because I went to a, a promotional meeting yesterday, uh -huh. and we got all the regular business off the table, and then we just somebody brought up uh, the Radiohead thing. And I was talking about what a crazy week it had been because we got Radiohead releasing that free CD. You got Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails defecting from uh, Interscope. You have 
uh, Jamiroquai and Oasis saying that they're not with a label and they're going to put the other on stuff. Prince has been doing it forever. Right. And now Madonna. So the question is, is 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 this... Is Madonna actually going to be selling her own stuff, or is this just that she's holding out for the highest bidder? It's a little bit different here because Madonna actually signed a recording contract with a live entertainment promoter. Uh, it's a $120 million contract, and uh, Warner, Warner, uh, Warner Music Group wouldn't match the, uh, the offer, so she left Warner after uh, decades and went with this live entertainment group uh, who normally – you know, promotes concerts and world tours, you know, produces these things. But they're also giving her money uh, to, to do albums, at least three, and they'll back the albums and, and distribute them and sell them. So it's a little bit different than what the other bands are doing because they're basically going at it on their own. This one, she signed a, an all-inclusive deal that, that also involves her touring. So... Uh, but she's, um, you know, kicking the, the record label to the wayside. You make a you make a, a mental note of the day I told you this though that Garth Brooks will be the next big guy to do this. Um, if uh, he will be one of the next guys to just say, hey, by the way, I'm just going to sell it, and he'll and he'll couch it in some sort of, you know, like plain spoken, just folks, Cracker Barrel for the people kind of dialogue, where he says, well, I just want to sell this directly to the people, you know. Right. I mean, I go out there and tour, and I look down into those faces, and you know, that's who I make music for, not corporations, not companies. You know, I don't make uh, my music for the Wall Street types or Manhattan. I make my music for the people, and the people is who I want to talk directly to. And then, of course, also he'll get to keep like 98% of the revenue. Well, that's the whole deal. Everybody's realizing that, you know, we're selling fewer and fewer albums each year because everybody's downloading individual songs now. So I'm making less money on, on the actual album itself. So why am I still giving such a huge portion of the proceeds to the record company if I'm not selling that many to begin with? And, I might as well try it my, uh, selling it myself. And I remember a couple of years ago when David Bowie started selling uh, stock in his songs. Remember that? I, and everybody thought he was crazy. Everybody laughed at David Bowie. It was like eight years ago or something where he started selling stock in his song revenue. And basically he said, look, I get publishing, I get royalty, I get mechanical rates, I get synchronization royalties, I get all these royalties in my songs, and I will let you buy shares in my song royalties. So you'll give me all this money up front, you will buy a certain amount of you know shares or a percentage, and then as royalties accrue every year, you will be paid according to how many, you know, what percentage you bought. Right. And everybody thought he was insane. And then within the last, you know, in the two or three years after that, there's all kinds of people that followed suit because he started just making money hand over fist at it. So, right, right. I'm well, going to leave you with this disturbing email. Okay. About lipstick. It says, I thought you and Sarah might like to know that the oil residue from Euro stands around the country are collected in barrels and sold for cosmetic products. Mmm, lard kisses from Euro stands. So there you go. So <laughs> if, you, if, you, if all of a sudden you, 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 you think you're kissing you fried bacon, then you really are. <laughs> I was going to say, if, you, if, you know, if your wife tastes a little Greek, uh, then that's exactly why it is. All right, my friend, uh, I guess we'll talk to you on Monday. Big plans for the weekend? Um, I'm going to try and recover and be uh, 100% by Monday. Fantastic. All right. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, get better. We'll talk to you uh, next week, my friend. So long, guys. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. All right. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. You look, uh, you have a look of consternation. No, on your I was, face. I was perplexed because I found this. I was looking on a website and it was talking about the uh, twenty four films too painful to watch again, from the. Um, and it's funny, I was just reading the list and I hadn't seen a lot of them. Really? But of course, you know what number one is. No, I don't. Wait, don't tell me. Now I have to think about it. I know. Don't tell me now. I won't. All right. 
Oh, I never did figure out who the woman is in FM. We'll, we'll take a break here in a second, and we'll come back at the uh, new news hour, which maybe I'll have the answer. It's 503-733-2970. We'll take a break here. Tim Riley around the corner. Later on, Rachel McGrath, Nickel Arcade in the studio, uh, and Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. the place. You know what you were just then? What? You were Nigel Tufnell having been given small bread. <laughs> I want large bread. I, and this, what I've got is this, and I don't want this. It's I just we're still large... trying to have something in a certain spot. I almost reached out and like pushed on top of an empty space. Sarah just went over to freshen up her coffee and realized with abject horror and disgust and loathing and barely concealed rage, I might add. That the coffee was made in the kitchen, was put in the thermos in the kitchen, but was never brought down the hall into the studio. And I swear to God, the next phrase out of her mouth was, get Scotty in here. <laughs> Norma Desmond style. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, please put your working class hands together for Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Portland is the third most toxic city in America. Well done. Uh, so says uh, Business Week magazine. That'll attract a lot of new business here. Portland has 62,466 contaminated sites within its boundaries. That's one for every 34 of us. So now what is now we're number three? Yeah. Now how do they define toxicity? Uh, leaky storage tanks. Of, of bad things. Yes. Uh, 20,655 leaking storage tanks. <laughs> In the big parade. Um, the uh, oh look, here comes the coffee now, Sarah. <gasps> awesome, Scotty. We can all relax. No one, no one has to be killed. Today. You guys drink just as much as in here as I do. All right. Uh, well, what? Well, what are cities number one and number two? If we're number three, I believe. Uh, I think it's L.A. and Philly. Okay, so Kennewick no longer. Well, yeah. Kennewick is probably still the most radioactive. But when it comes to flat-out toxicity, yeah. Portland holding it down at a solid number three. Uh, due to leaky storage tanks. But doesn't that seem wrong? I mean, doesn't it seem... If, it's if very it's, wrong. I mean, it does seem like per capita... Well, whatever. I mean, because we're the 24th biggest city uh, in the country. So we are disproportionately toxic here for number three on the list. So that's not bad. Are you making Scotty actually heat your coffee for you? No. All right, I'm just checking. All right. Here's Tim Riley. A Longview woman pretends that she lives in Nigeria. A woman who says she didn't realize what she was doing. When she accepted money from people who thought they were buying puppies on the Internet, then forwarded the money to someone she met online in Nigeria. Vicki Huff uh, entered a plea yesterday in Cullitz County Court, uh, uh, and uh, apparently the man she knew was named Melvis, and he lived in Nigeria. He took out newspaper advertisements offering puppies for sale and giving her name as a contact. Customers around the country sent the Longview woman, Vicki Huff, money and got no puppies at all. No puppies or refunds were ever made. Instead, the prospective buyers were told the puppies died. I'm sorry. That was just like the end. And everyone well, is dead. You only go for a long period of time there. I, I Cut to black. No, I, I didn't really have any response to that. It's 
Sort of like at the end of seven. And Kevin Spacey shot in the face. Gwyneth's head in the box. The end. Bye. That's it. Done. Over. Okay. Let's see. We have some other unpleasant things here. That's great. Uh, Portland police investigating a fatal shooting that took place somewhere in southwest. The body of a man was found near Legacy Hospice, but police say the crime took place somewhere else. The victim had a gunshot wound. My moment, please. <coughs> well, then we had a couple of stories that happened yesterday as we were getting off the air. This, yeah, so we had, uh, by the way, let me just say that after, after the show yesterday, we found out that everybody in the building had been doing a variation on what we were doing in here, which is tracking down everybody we know that bicycles to work anywhere near Burnside and 14th, uh, wondering if they were the unfortunate person who was run down by a cement truck yesterday. Yeah, so apparently, uh, let's see, she was a student, Tracy Sparling, 19 years old of Salem, was stopped at a red light at Northwest 14th and Burnside. It began to churn. That a cement truck, apparently she was in the the trucker's blind spot, uh, took that turn at exactly the same time. She was just blocks from her Southwest Portland apartment when she was struck, and apparently uh, she also went to school at Pacific Northwest College of Art. So this is, so they were both stopped at 14th and Burns, and I hate to keep rehashing this, but they were both stopped at 14th and Burns side. Right. Uh, so, so you have the green light, but of, of course the pedestrians get there right away, but right. apparently the truck driver didn't see her because she was in his blind spot. Or, or because he didn't look, quite possibly. Possibly. Well, you know, in all fairness, semis, you cannot see. If, if, if she's in his blind spot and he's on the left-hand side of the car and he's way up there in a huge cement truck and there's the blind spot. Yeah, but don't they have those, those fisheye mirrors, though? Yeah, Isn't but that the whole point? You're a small bicycle next to a giant car. I guess that. Yeah. I guess that I mean, is... That is a fair point, I it's, suppose. It's very unfortunate, and it's very sad and very tragic, but don't be in a, a blind spot if you're smaller than, like, you know, a 500-ton cement truck. Well, no, that's, that's the thing, and I, I always, you know, it's like they always tell you to drive defensively, and the thing is you got to bike defensively, too, what we were talking about. Absolutely, because you Down. can't control what the person's doing. Hey, All you can hey, control truck, is your actions. Trucker. Truckers are usually the safest drivers on the road. So no, it is a benefit of the doubt. No, 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 anyway. that is true. Yeah, we don't want to paint with an unfairly broad brush because it is, I mean, it is difficult to, to control something like that. But, I mean, especially in Portland, though, i got to say two things because I can really see both sides of this. Because we were talking to our friend uh, Becca down the hall who very nearly got run down by a car the other day who she was next to the car. The car was not indicating that she was going to turn right. The car, she made eye contact with the driver. The driver's signal was not on. And yet the light turns green and the woman immediately banks into like a right-hand turn and totally would have plowed her over if she if she had been cycling forward at that time. That's happened to me a couple times going down Hawthorne, right when you get over the Hawthorne oh, Bridge, yeah. right on like 8th. Like people just turn right in front of you, in front of the bike lane, not even look. So, but, uh, so I always, but it is, but as a bicyclist, I always assume that the person doesn't see me. I think you've just got to do that. I mean, you can't, because as you said, that you know, you, pedestrians have the right of way, mm. but you just... You know, but you're not going to win that. It depends on if the bicyclist is acting like a pedestrian if they're a- or if they're acting like a car. I wonder if she was in the street. Exactly, because it sounds like she was in the street next to him. Which is, you're never supposed to do that either. You're never supposed to, if you're in the street, you are never, ever supposed to be, and I'm not trying to place blame. No, uh, no, I don't think anyone should I mean, blame. It's just senseless and sad. But well, and it's worth noting because there are maybe other people, and look, and let's be honest, not like some, I'm a bicycling expert, uh, but I mean, it... Uh, but it is worth noting for anybody who does either drive or, or cycle uh, in those busy parts of town, if you are on a bicycle, don't ever, uh, you know, if you're not on the sidewalk, don't ever be in the street on the right-hand side of a car. Because if they don't see you and turn right, you're just going to get crunched. So if you're in the street, act like a car, no matter how much the cars bitch at you about it. 
and act be in the middle of the lane. Downtown, you're in fact downtown. I think you are required to be in the street. It's illegal to ride on the sidewalk. I downtown. think down to, in downtown Portland, I believe that bicycles are required to ride in the street in the middle of the lane. I do not believe you are allowed to ride on the side of the road exactly because of things like this. Well, and do you know they where, know if she was on the street or if she was in the? I, that, I don't think it's in the story, which is again why is that? When no one is assigning blame, it's yeah. obviously. And I, look, not like the trucker feels great about it. Obviously, that's going to f your life. Uh, so I mean, every it. it is bad for everybody. Uh, apparently, involved. she had she had started to move at the same time as a truck. So the question is, was she on the sidewalk or was she in the street next to him? That's kind of the question. And again, not that it makes it better or worse on one side or the other. It is it is what it is. But um, you know where it's the worst like in my depends, opinion. If she was walking the bike too, or if she was on the bike. There's no way she was walking the bike because she was walking the bike. So then she had to have been in the street. Because especially on 14th and Burnside, I mean, that's a pretty... There are a lot of pedestrians that's, around. That's right at Ringler's. Yeah. But and I mean, there isn't a sidewalk, because that's right before Is there no sidewalk? That's where everyday mu- music is, though. Isn't there a sidewalk? No, it, it looks like there's some type of sidewalk where this bike is. They, they put up a ghost bike there. If she was in front of everyday music, there's a there's a sidewalk in front of everyday there's music. There's a sidewalk in front of there, but then one block up, it's... it's so she could have been rolling off that sidewalk. Well, I, she I don't, been, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't, we'll find out. I... I will say the place where I am the most careful when I'm in my car, and you know, and I have moments where I, you know, with the lack of common sense like everybody else, but the place where I always stop and look in every direction like nine different times is at 39th uh, and Hawthorne by the Hawthorne Theater. I cannot tell you how many times uh, coming around, like if you're going up Hawthorne and you hit 39th and you go to take a right at the Hawthorne Theater, how many times, if I had not stopped to be really careful, I would have just plowed down some pedestrian, some cyclist. It doesn't help that there's like a thousand bars in that area. Um, there are any number of people who choose to walk or bike against the light, uh, against the light, or covered in all black or both. Mm-hmm. So, again, we've been very clear. We're not, I don't think anybody's assigning blame. It just is freaky on both sides of the equation. Because clearly, whoever that guy in the truck is that hit her, his you know, he's not in a good place right now. Mm. I mean, that's a, you don't want to live with that. So just everybody just, you know, kind of. Just never assume that somebody can see you. Yeah. I mean, I always assume that I am invisible. Always. I mean, I always assume that I am the bicyclist who cannot be seen because, man, you don't, you know. All right. Uh, well, let's people. It looks like there is a little bit of information. I hate to dwell on this, but let's try to figure out. What well, this... and, yeah, I mean, maybe it'll help somebody else, you know. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? <clears throat> Why? Hello. Hello. Yes. Is this me? Why do people say, is this me? I'm not Scotty J never gets on the phone and says, you're you're in the queue. No, no, no. Okay. Let's not be defensive, friend. I'm not not asking why do people uh, uh, wonder if they are currently the person on the air. I'm saying it is literally that phrase, the is this me? It's interesting that as a a culture, we've all just adopted those three words as the universal uh, interrogative statement about whether you are currently on the air on the radio. It's just an interesting linguistic thing to me. What's up, my friend? Anyway, uh, the uh, there is a picture in the paper. Did you did you not see the? Picture? Well, I saw the picture of the white bicycle, which is always if you go to um, OregonLive.com. If you go the, the, today's Oregonian, the bike is mashed, and I mean they're oh. both clearly in the lane. So, oh. what, what do you mean in the lane though? Like there, was there, she well, was she next to him? You can turn right back down, heading east on Burnside. You can go forward on get onto 405, or you can right. go left to go obviously west on Burnside. But if you look at the, at the, even though the photo is taken from a distance, you can see that clearly the bike is mashed in that right lane, oh. and her and she's laying, you know, a, a good five six feet off the 
kitty corner from the curb there. So yeah. wait, so okay, but she so, was in the. I mean, she was in the lane, no, no, probably but, next to the guy. But here's what I'm asking. Yeah. So so in other words, so the assumption, and it is only our assumption at this point, is that she was in the street next to the truck. Right. She was probably oh. far enough forward of him that she didn't see his turn signal on because obviously he was turning right. And so that's true. And if, midway between the cement truck. And, and I don't know how they got up to speed at the same time, but yeah. He, well, and this is totally an assumption again. All of this is just speculative. But if you assume that if she was at about his front right wheel, up at that front quarter panel, that right. would have been, A, a place not to see his signal. Right, B, right, that's what I mean. And if probably turned, midway between the truck. And, and, if, and if she's next to him, if he turns, it's less than one tire revolution before he's kind of on top of her. Yeah, it was, I mean, the, if you see the photo in the paper, it's it's pretty bad. Oh, I mean, it's really right. awful. I feel my heart goes out to the family. Yeah, well, like I said, everybody, everybody kind of is, is there's really no, no, yeah. It's, it's awful. Bad, but if you're next sides. to a cement truck or a dump truck or a gas tanker, Probably just sit there for a second and figure out what they're going to do first. That's yeah, probably well, and that's probably good on, again, and if, in, especially if you're in a place where you know there's lots of cyclists, that is probably a good thing to say for both sides of the equation. If you're a yeah, car, yeah, you ought yeah. to look, and if you're a bicyclist, you ought to assume you can't be seen. All right, thank you. All right, thanks. All right, uh, let's just get two more of these, then we'll move on. I don't want to sit and dwell on the hideousness all day. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, uh, I know... I heard from somebody who was uh, who works for that company. Um, well, for, I'm sorry. What? Start again. We lost your phone call. Oh, it, I know somebody who works for that company. Uh huh. The cement company. Okay. Um, anyway, she she was in the lane with the truck. At they were both at the stop line at the same time when he started turning right. Yeah, that sort of seems to bump. And stop. That, <gasps> oh, man. Uh, that seems to be the general... Uh, now, it looks like there's a bike lane there. However, I think Oregon law states that vehicles have the right of way over a bike lane. Oh, now, see, this is... Okay, I'm, I'm glad you showed this to me, actually, even though it's an ugly photo, because this is not at all what I thought happened. This is entirely... This is totally different. This is... I had thought she was over here. She was actually on 14th turning... Onto, oh, I don't even know what the okay. hell she was doing. She must have been going straight. So she was going down 14th across. Yeah, she she was going straight, and he was hanging it right. Because that, uh, okay. Oh, so the light, like the light turned green. They both went at the same time. All right. And that's north, right? Yeah. All right. It's been officially labeled as an accident by the cops. Okay. Well, I guess it doesn't do us any good to sit so here. So it and... says, the law is that vehicles... Do give the right of way to bikes in the bike lane. Yeah, well, but pedestrians and bicyclists, yeah. this is a little known legal fact, actually. Pedestrians and bicyclists have the right of way in all circumstances, even mm -hmm. if this is actually in most states. I know it's this way in Washington. Let's say, for example, Tim is driving. Tim, a very responsible driver. If Tim is driving and he has a green light and I just decide to jaywalk in front of his car, I legally as a pedestrian still have the right of way. Uh, which is a, a legal thing they do simply because you can't have a face-off between a pedestrian and a car and give the right-of-way to the car. Um, obviously, you, you know, don't do that. Um, but, yeah, that, the, the pedestrian and a bicyclist always have the right-of-way, but it, it does, it's, yeah, it probably is pointless to try to figure out what happened. Just, everybody ought to be just looking around. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Um, let's do one more, and then we'll kind of kind of bring the curtain Hi, Rick. segment. Hi, what's up? Uh, I've, I've been a professional truck driver for all my adult life, and I'm also an avid cyclist. 
Here's a real quick rule of thumb for survival out there. If you are the truck driver and you don't make eye contact with a cyclist or a pedestrian, assume they're going to do something silly. And as a cyclist, if you don't make eye contact in the mirrors with the driver, assume that he's going to do something silly. Yeah, and I mean, and especially, and Tim pointed this out, and it bears repeating, especially guys who drive truck, any kind of truck, that that, uh, that they, how do I put this, um, that they do not necessarily physically have the same properties, obviously, as smaller cars. Yeah, and you, to, you can't see, when you're sitting yeah. up in the truck driver's seat, you cannot see 20 feet in front of, you know, inside of 20 feet in front of the vehicle. Well, it's, it's visibility, it's stopping distance. Oh, here's a story, and um, I'll just get the broad strokes of it. My older brother uh, drove for a long time, and it, it, it drove, he would drive long-haul truck from here to California. And he, at one point, when I was about 12 years old, I remember this happened, my brother, while driving a Kenworth, smashed into a small Honda that had thought he could uh, cut across the road and get to the other side before my brother got to that part of the road. Didn't realize the stopping distance involved. The car didn't have the pickup that the Honda thought, the Honda driver thought it did. So the car, you know, he, he guns it, the car dies in the middle of the road. My brother sees this Honda in front of him, does everything he can to stop the truck. But, you know, stopping distance on a Kenworth is, you know. 300 feet yeah, if you're I fully mean, loaded at 40 tons. And I got to tell you, man, he just, I think the woman lived but was seriously messed up uh, to this day probably. And, I mean, he just pancaked that car. There was just nothing he could do. And if you just got to assume that trucks, you got to assume that they're slow and blind. You just have to. Yes, absolutely. We, you know, we take a great deal of pains, and I say we, professional drivers, take a great deal of pains to protect the motoring public from themselves. Yeah. And, you know, from our own karmic dissonance when things like this go wrong. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's sad, it's terrible for both the driver and the family of the young woman who was killed. And it's just real simple. Assume Nothing. All right. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. All right, there you go. And it does say here in the Oregonian uh, that a witness, Brian Poole, says, so this is a guy who saw this. Uh, the witness says of the cement truck driver said he had no way of seeing her. This is a... Yeah, because I'm looking at there is a bike lane. But, I mean, but at the same time, it's, it's such a big truck, he probably couldn't see over the front. So was she going forward? It looks like she was going forward and he was taking a right. So... So he, she is so low though, and that truck is so high up. I mean, that kind of is. Yeah, because I, I think there's kind of a drop at that intersection. Yeah, it is. It, it, it banks down. down. Yeah, it banks down, and it, if he's sitting up, you know, when he's, it, God, when he's in the cab, he's probably eight feet off the ground mm-hmm. at least. So it looks like she was in the bike lane, presumably going forward. He was turning right, but she is so low, and I'm looking at it right here, and you can see. Her bike barely comes up to his headlight. You can see oh. his mirror is actually another three feet above that. So she's here. The mirror is like up here, and so and even with a fisheye, as you pointed out, Sarah, she's a very narrow, small object. Mm-hmm. That if you look in the mirror and you see her straight on, it's so narrow that you might not even see it. So it looks like that was instant too. I mean, it's just like her bike. It's, yeah. it's like right where it was waiting, basically. That's awful. All right. Um, well, you know what, uh, Scotty? Uh, you know, I don't want to be I don't want to be Johnny Harsh on the guys who are calling, but I, you know, we're gonna move on. I think it's you know we. I don't want to sit and you know we could probably do four hours on you know on you know on on this, but I don't you know I don't think anybody wants to hear that, and I we're gonna move on. So if you want to talk to uh, some of these folks who called in, thank them, tell them I think we're gonna transition, as they say, 
to something else because I know just, there are a couple of rides tonight too. Do you want to talk about any of the memorial rides? Let's do that. Um, let's do a couple other things. We'll break, but before the end of the news hour, let's mention. I know that that one of the bicycles, one of the white bikes, already went up, right? Yeah, the go- yeah Squid actually took a picture of it. It's one of the ghost bikes. So and uh, so, well, there's going to be yeah some some stuff happening later. We'll talk about that. So anyway, uh, well, let's do a couple more and then we'll take a break. Here's Tim Riley. So the other thing that happened yesterday afternoon around the same time is that guy who jumped on the max after robbing a bank. Police used a high-tech tracking device to find this guy as he sat on the max train. The man is suspected of robbing the Sterling Savings Bank at Northeast 47th Avenue in Sandy. The suspect stole a vehicle belonging to Portland Water Bureau to make his getaway, then abandoned it, and then jumped on the max train. So there was no clean getaway as people saw him do this. Now, did you, now, did you just say that the guy had stolen a van? A Portland Water Bureau truck. But then what, what was his... This van isn't fast enough. I need a train. What was the logic? Then abandoned it to hop on the max train. Well, what is the logic of this whole thing? I don't understand. There's no logic involved. He, he stole a vehicle, drove it a little ways, then jumped out of it, and then hopped on the max train. Okay. All right. Maybe the van just didn't have enough legroom. It didn't have the comfort he required for his getaway. Uh, little did he know that the bank employees had slipped a tracking device in with the cash. Leading police right to the suspect yes. as he sat on the max train yes. near Lloyd Center. Who would, ever, who would ever suspect that they would label the money in some way? Uh, so somebody aboard said they cleared out the train and went right to him. Of he course. was he was sweating profusely, and the bag was right there. They apparently people saw him sticking underneath his seat. Yes, there you go. Fantastic. You do. All right. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. Uh, Tim Riley around the corner. More from the Ministry of Truth later on. Uh, we will talk to CNN radio correspondent Rachel McGrath, who loathes me intensely. Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. Top five presidential campaign themes of all time. And uh, the hell else? Oh, Nickel Arcade's going to be in the studio. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Is this another uh, call about somebody stalking Tim? Well, let's find out. Hello, sir. Are you stalking Tim Riley? No, I'm I'm just a fan. I, I sometimes think to myself that I could be on the radio, but not after I hear, especially Tim afternoon updates, you know, at 4, 5, 6, and 7. Which he does live well, in the studio. Yeah, what, what's so great about them is he, he usually concludes his broadcast and puts in the introduction to Doyle Redlin of the Onion Radio News in one breath. No, it's true. He is, a, yes, no, he's a master of breath control. He's able to get it all out just like that. Well, I am a fan, but I also just wanted to quickly say, I haven't been listening a lot today yet. Have, have you sufficiently bashed the guy who called up at the end of the show yet? Can I do that for a second? <laughs> Why is everybody hating on the guy who called at the end of yesterday's program? Because as frustrating as it is for you guys in the studio, we're all sitting there going, okay, he's going to end the show. And then some cluck gets up saying, <laughs> oh, oh, what, oh, what, what was just said a minute ago? <laughs> <laughs> And then he took like three minutes to talk about, God, what was it? What was he talking about? It was some... trying to say something about blind melon, but let me say to him if he's listening, do you really think that's worth listening? <laughs> oh, no. God is... oh, no, he's actually broken his own phone. Sorry about that. 
Yeah, no, we've gotten more response about that guy. He was very frustrating. Well, you know what? And we ended, the, the, we came out of the final um, uh, break yesterday. We came back and we had about four minutes and we had all kinds of calls. And there's, you know, it's a ton of all calls, a full bank, as they say. And I'm like, you know, and you know, the thing is, I always feel bad because we'll get to the end of the show and there were people on hold waiting to talk to us and, and I always have to do the, you know, no time to be fair to another caller thing. But, you know, we had to, we, we absolutely had time. We had time to be fair to every caller. Had time to get to every single call that was on hold. And um, Scotty's typing a screen. Don't lose listener fans by bashing. I'm just pointing it out, Scotty. I'm simply bringing into stark relief the previous caller's point. But so we put the guy on. And I'm sure he had an interesting point to make. It's just that he, he diluted it. You know what it is? It's like stretching your soup by adding water. He just added ladle after ladle after ladle to this call until his 30-second observation about Blind Melon literally ate up the last four minutes of our show. And I looked at Sarah. And finally, Sarah just reached over and hit the off button. It's just, just No, something <laughs> happened with the buttons. Yes, you, your fingers pressed it's them. true. Here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Uh, Ted Kennedy's in the hospital today because his arteries are blocked. They're uh, becoming unblocked. He's uh, 75 years old. He is uh, still suffering from a 1964 plane crash. A statement from Kennedy's office said the operation on his left uh, artery took an hour. Mary, Mary Jo Kopechny is still suffering from a 1970 uh, uh, car crash. And he was completed uh, completing his surgery without complications. I'm sorry, that was such a cheap yep. joke. He'll be released from Mass General Hospital in several days. What year was Chappaquiddick? 68, 69. I punted and I said 70 because I couldn't remember. Uh, I, I think it was 68, 69. Okay, yeah. but I, I think I should get credit for working Mary Jo Kopechny into a story about his uh, arteries being unclogged. I can I'm, probably find that somewhere. Nah, it doesn't matter. All right. Well, As an East Coaster, are you offended when I bring up Mary Jo Kopechny? Do you, do you feel like the urge to defend the Kennedys when I do something like that? Well, no. Um, Ted Kennedy was enjoying your company. Things yeah. get out of hand. Okay. Only one person got out of the car, though. Well, that's true. Okay, I'm sorry. Never, I'm going to stop. Never mind. I'm done. Well, let's talk about other things, like uh, Britney Spears. Uh, Britney was in Los what, Angeles. Britney watch? Is this a Britney watch? Oh, it is, yes. Oh, damn. Damn. Damn me. Hold on a second. Uh, let's see. Britney, 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 Britney. Where the hell did I put my... Where the hell did the new Britney watch go? Okay, Scotty, have you moved the Britney watch? No truth, whatever. To the widely circulated suspicions of immoral conduct that have really? been leveled at my behavior and hers regarding that evening, there has never been a private relationship between us of any kind. I know of nothing in Mary Jo's conduct on that or any other occasion. And the same is true of the other girls at that party. Okay. Whatever you say. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, here's... Party. Here's your, uh, it is not my fault she did not come equipped with gills. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's your Britney watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson Show. Good find. month from now, but it's not old now. So in court yesterday, uh, they had a hearing uh, between her uh, former uh, husband, Kevin Federline, and the court. L.A. court spokesman, 
spokesman Alan Parinci said that Commissioner Gordon addressed Spears in court after she asked to be allowed to spend the night with her children. Besides, again and again, but this is a, a relationship with very young parents and little guy kids, and that is where he comes down in terms of what he thinks everybody ought to be focusing on. Ms. Spears did speak. Her voice was soft and respectful. Her skin was like butter. <laughs> and supple. And rose-like. Her lips were like fleshy pillows. The Did he say little guy kids? That's what it sounded like. Could you please play that again? Again and again, but this is a, a relationship with very young parents and little guy kids. And that is where he comes down in terms of what he thinks everybody ought to be focusing on. Right. Ms. Spears did speak. Her voice was soft and respectful. It was a man of size 14. Little guy kids. Yeah. Okay, well, right. Oh, a little guidance. Maybe he's saying guidance. It doesn't Maybe. matter. All right. So she's getting one overnight visit a week or something? Yeah, something like that. All right. Uh, Kevin Federline there. Federalized attorney Mark Kaplan said his client just wants to make sure that his kids are safe. He agreed that he would allow that additional time to be modified into the order, to be expanded into the order, provided that he felt there were assurances in place that made him feel the kids were protected. All right. Now let's, let's place bets right here because her new record comes out. See, they're, they're so hosed. They're so hosed, and they don't even know it, because they pushed up the release date because of the online piracy. From November 13th to October 13th. Did you see that Perez Hilton is getting sued for that, by the mm -hmm. way? Uh, because he apparently was the one who was leaking a bunch of the, uh, the, the, the tracks. The album has been released. Uh, and I guess it's on the cover of People magazine. It shows the singer wearing a fedora over her long, dark hair and pink skirt mm -hmm. and looking directly into the camera. All right. Well, I have a list of the tracks here. Okay, what, are the, what, do, what do we have song-wise? Give me more. Peace of Me, Radar, Break the Ice, Heaven on Earth, Get Naked, Freak Show, Toy Soldier, Hunt as Ice, Ooh Ooh Baby, Perfect Lover, Why Should I Be Sad? Toy Soldier. I wonder if that's a cover of the Martika pop hit from the 80s. Um, anyway, so Perez Hilton apparently is getting sued because he's the one who posted uh, video early, and I guess theoretically he did, allegedly anyway, he, he advanced, uh, advanced published a bunch of uh, tracks for the record or whatever. But they're so, they're so unbelievably apt because... Is anyone ever going to nail that guy, though? No. No. no He'll get away with it every time. Sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> you just, is he the next person you just long to see flogged? No, I, don't, I mean, I enjoy reading his blog, but I, he just needs to stay behind his computer and get his fat face... Out of the TV camera he's done and that his thing voice of, and oh. Well, he's the head of hopper of the new age. He's done that. Yeah, no, you're right. He's done that gonzo journalism thing of 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 making himself the subject of all the stories he writes about other people, which mm -hmm. is a very tricky business to get into. It's hard to pull that off and not have everybody hate you. Uh, the thing about that Britney album, and I know it sounds like we're spending a lot of time discussing a Britney Spears record that no one will buy, uh, no one in this audience certainly, but that's exactly my point. They're pushing it up the release date because of privacy, uh, privacy, piracy, doing that all day. I'm doing a lot of like words that sort of sound similar but aren't right because of uh, piracy, but they're pushing it. to It's still two weeks away. So with it, I will guarantee you this, between now and then, 50% of that audience that was going to buy the Britney Spears record will get it online in the next two weeks. It, it's, got, it's probably everywhere. I could probably go home and get that album today. I will not because I respect uh, the, the copy thing. Artist integrity. Yes, that. The, you know, laws and stuff. Uh, but I'll guarantee you could go home and you could have that Britney Spears record on your computer within 15 minutes of going home. So another two weeks of that is just going to further sap the market. That The record may debut at number one 
I mean, the Britney record probably will debut at number one, but that doesn't mean anything anymore. Number one just means number one sold doesn't a hundred copies of it. Exactly. That's it. Doesn't mean anything except that it sold more than the rest of the records that week. So if the other records all sell five copies and she sells six copies, it's still a number one debut. It's not gonna. I will. I'm telling you this right now. That record will move fewer than four hundred and fifty thousand copies. Which still may sound like a lot, but not when you think about what she would have done just two years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, I, if, she, if she debuts at number one, it will be with fewer than 450,000 copies and probably fewer than 350. That's just my guess. The California Department of Justice began issuing warrants this morning in connection with the death of Anna Nicole Smith. Uh, one of the eight search warrants was served at the L.A. area home of Smith psychologist Dr. Christine... Ooh. Jeez, some foreign name. <laughs> Had authorized all 11 prescription medications found in Smith's hotel room. Celebrity journalist Pat Lalama says it appears Anna's doctor is in big, big trouble. It could be D-Day, and I'm guessing for the doctor, specifically Christina Rosovich. She is the one who they believe prescribed all 11 medications found in the hotel room where Anna Nicole Smith died, including chloral hydrate, that really powerful sleeping aid. Now, TMZ reports Howard K. Stern was at the doctor's house at the time. Oh, that's hard to believe. I know. Oh, by the way, we didn't close the... Uh, let me close the... Oh. Button. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Now it's reported that the man seen in a minor confrontation with Orlando Bloom just moments before he was in a car accident is fashion photographer Damon Kidwell. Kidwell and his ex-model girlfriend Veronica Taylor were inside the club when Bloom grabbed Taylor inappropriately. And word is that Bloom was acting up and followed the two outside, angering Kidwell. Bloom then got into Kidwell's car uninvited. And uh, one source says that, that Kidwell and Taylor dated for three years, and now they're just good friends. I don't even know who Veronica Taylor is, but doesn't she sound like she has absolutely a, the, the perfect name to be some sort of 1960s model? Yeah. Speaking of the 1960s, you have not watched last night's Mad Men, have you? No. Okay, no. I won't. No. Listen to that. <laughs> He's done it like ten times. Listen to that. No, tell me nothing. No, 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 I, I won't give anything away. You know me. Would I spo- Tim, that's your job. I would not spoil anything. I've only done that once. <laughs> and it was for something that wasn't a hit anyway. It was one of no Scott one Daly's cared movies. about. <laughs> it's one of Scott Daly's favorite films. F that. It's useless. One of his pieces of dreck. Um, not that every- they're all dreck. No, they are. So, um, they're not his fault that they're dreck. The Scott the product of Hollywood. He just, he's the Ted McGinley of the film reviewing world. He just endorses something and it fails. Um... Let's see. Um, anyway, so I won't tell you anything about it except to say um, just it felt like it's so good it felt like a season finale, which it's not because next week apparently is the season finale. Um, it is just it's a really, really, really strong episode. Mm-hmm. And um, there's there's one little moment towards the end that I, I sort of choked on a little bit, sort of. Sort of rent clanked a little to me, uh, but, but you know what? I'm willing to overlook it though because the rest of the episode is so strong, and I always fear when you have a character like Don Draper, who his whole thing is that he is just sort of an enigma. He's a blank. You don't know much about him. I always fear when they start to slowly reveal anything about a guy like that because then you wonder if he's going to be less interesting. I'm like, well, will be, will will he be uninteresting? Will he be a, a bland character if you know his background? 
Um, and they sort of keep peeling away the layers, and he just it's just more and more sort of weird and disturbing. And it just raises more and more questions about the guy. So it's... Anyway, it's a great episode. You're going to like it, and there's some great uh, great office hijinks uh, that happen uh, as well. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello there. Hey, Rick. I was uh, wondering if the, the record executive who uh, let Brittany choose that title, if she's the one that chose it, realized the double meaning. I know she's saying blackout to blackout all the negativity, but due to her current chemical situation, blackout may not have been the best choice. Do you know, now you just said that she picked blackout allegedly to reference blacking out the negativity. Do you know that for sure? And if so, why? I do believe that's what you, you've reported earlier on when, when they first reported the, the release of the album. Sure, blame so, it on us. Yeah, I black out all the... I don't all, know. All this bad stuff coming at her. you got to figure at this point the record companies must know she's a lost cause. I mean, they, they've got to be just looking at whatever the con- their contractual obligations are. I mean, my prediction is, here's just, this is only my prediction, that you will see this Britney album, and then there'll be one more that is either, she can't do a live album, there's just no way. I mean, they might try. But there'll be this record, and then there'll be another compilation. There will be a Britney Ultimate Hits Brit- or a remix. There'll be, a, there'll be a, a filler album. They'll put this one out. It will fail. Uh, relatively speaking, and then the next album will either be remix, greatest hits, repackaging, remaster, compilation, best of, live, something. Uh, just to f- just to fill out the contract, and then they will try to negotiate her down to a much much lower rate to stay in the label, and then you know, and she'll either stay for a, mu- a greatly reduced salary or she'll she'll leave and go elsewhere. Uh, this is this is going to be the last major release of Britney Spears' career. You mark my words. Alrighty. Alright, there you go. Thank you, sir. Here's she can work three hours a day at twelve fifty an hour. <laughs> no, the well, you know, the thing is, it's that it's like with um with the Garth Brooks thing. They all think, you know, they all think that the, the, George Orwell had this thing where he called power worship, and the power worship thing was that when something is what is the, what, what, what do they call it? The belief that the status quo will always be the same. The belief that whatever the case is now, it will always be the case. Um, and you know, you, I think people who work in the entertainment business and especially people at that rarefied level, they get into that same sort of mode where they think that it's always everything I put out will be platinum. Everybody, everybody that it will love me forever. And they don't realize how quickly it changes. Like that Tazon Day guy, you know, the chocolate rain guy thought he was going to be financing the rest of his life on that. He's fine. I think I couldn't finance a pop tart on that. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. So Brittany's just going to have to, uh, She's going to have to, uh, what are they saying? You know, my needs aren't being met. Drop some of your needs. Here's Tim Riley. You know, I was just thinking American cable TV is taking a page out of the BBC rules. They only do a few episodes of shows, and then they make you wait. Yeah. And then they don't even tell you if it's coming back or not. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's the way they do quality television in Britain, so it's starting to catch on here. Well, and in Britain, the whole series only runs nine episodes yeah. anyway. Tonight, we'll be doing, you know, what is that old joke about the longest-running sitcom in British history? All 12 episodes will be shown, because that's the thing that The Office, I mean, The Office is, I think, I think less than 20 episodes. Yeah, less than 20. I Plus the Christmas special. 20 episodes of Christmas special, and then there was a little uh, one-off that he did for, like, the American or whatever, Comic Relief, or one of those relief shows that he did. Um, which, by the way, Court and Fabler are going to be showing the British office uh, every week at the Mission three, uh, Street Theater. Oh, my. Yeah, it's going to be happening. So, um, The Mission Street Theater? Is that what it is, the one where they showed Firefly? Um, yeah, so they're going to be showing the British office there. Um, I watched uh, the American office last night, which I don't watch religiously. My wife watches it every week. I watch it kind of when I'm around. But, boy, you know, that really is a pretty great show. That's come along. It really has. Mm-hmm. I, at the beginning, I was, just so, I was just so convinced that the American office would never get out from underneath the shadow of its British cousin. But it really has come into its own. And Steve Carell, 
Steve Gorell is pretty fantastic. I think he will have to watch out, though, because I think it's going to be difficult to see him as anything other than that character because he, like Ricky Gervais, just embodies that character so well. The other thing that the American office does, which is hard to do, is they do have a little bit of actual sentiment and pathos in that show without without cheating for it. They really, you know, it's not cheap. They actually do work to get it. They, they, you know, but it's, I'd say that's probably the funniest thing on American television right now. I mean, I can't think of anything that's funnier than The Office. There might be something, but I don't know what it'd be. Uh, here's Tim Riley. The Maytag washing machine is 100 years old. And Willard Scott said there are a few inventions that have made such a difference in so many people's lives. I don't think there have been many advances Willard in modern Scott? living that have affected so many people in such a positive way as the washing machine. I mean that. Uh, Willard Scott tells us how his mother used to do his laundry. The soap didn't have so many detergents in it in those days. She'd take the soap after the wash and take that water and water her flowers, her hydrangeas and lilacs and things like that. Really? Yes, the art of washing clothes has come a long way. <laughs> they used to do the laundry on the rocks. You'd go out to a creek and beat the clothes up against a rock to today's touch button, almost automatic, complete washing machines. Uses less, they use less water. They use less electricity. Are you kidding me? Is Willard Scott talking about beating his clothes on a rock down by the river? His mom did. He didn't. Why are they talking to Willard Scott about this? That just Why doesn't make any they? sense. And now to talk about the history of the waffle iron, Al Roker. It just makes no sense. It does. Was he a Maytag repairman? I don't think he was, was he? Because why else would you be having... Doesn't he just go out and... Uh, Scotty pointed he's got to be 100 years old himself. How old is he supposed to... Willard Scott was the original Ronald McDonald. He wasn't the Maytag He's the repairman. official cen uh, centennium celebrator of the washing machine. Now, with more centennium. Centennium? That's what it says. All right. So he's Willard Scott is the. I wonder how many like notches down the list he was. I wonder who they asked first and seventh and fifty fourth before they got to Willard Willard Scott. All right. Well, fair enough. Oh, hey, by the way, speaking of, um, I don't know why Willard Scott just prompted this thought in my head, but, uh, but I think before the show even started, I was talking about that movie FM. Oh yeah. Upon which the series WKRP in Cincinnati was based, because that had Martin Mull. As what's his name, the guy the, the, the Eric Deke, Swan, Eric Swan, who was basically Doctor Johnny Fever. Um, okay, but now it's not it's not Ellen Burstyn who played the Mary Turner Eileen character. Brennan. Eileen Brennan from uh, from Private Benjamin. Okay, that's who that's who did that. I haven't seen FM in a long time. I suspect it's, it's twenty nine years old. Really? Yeah. It's probably a terrible film. It probably doesn't hold up well at all. No. Seeing, I, I saw FM once when I was about seventeen. Uh, and I think it seemed bad then. I think even by that point, it seemed like it was already a pretty terrible film. All I remember is that it started out at FM. If you haven't seen the movie FM, and you probably have not, FM, as I said, it was the the, um, yeah, the movie on which they based WKRP in Cincinnati. But it was based in L.A., and I'm pretty sure uh, Bruce Agler would know this for sure, but I think it was based loosely on radio station KMET. Uh, which um, Jim Ladd worked at, in which the book uh, uh, um, Radio Waves was was later based on. But it was back when FM DJs were still considered just the hippest cats on the planet, just considered yeah. living. Just that it was during that one rarefied slice of American time when music DJs were considered real celebrities and not just hacks. And I think it starts with Martin Mull just taking a huge line of cocaine off the dashboard or the glove box of his car or something, and then popping like three Percodan and speeding down the road while Life in the Fast Lane by the Eagles plays. I mean, it was just like the best, worst 70s indulgences all roll up into one scene in one film. Uh, here is Tim Riley. Uh, John Edwards says a report about him having an affair with a woman who worked in his campaign by the National Enquirer is false. He uh, talked about this claim. 
Anyone who knows me knows that uh, I've been a with the same eunuch. woman for 30 plus years. She's the most extraordinary woman uh, I've ever known. And she's a wonderful, sweet, loving, sexy, uh, idealistic uh, woman who I've been in love with for 30 plus years and still am. All right, it's all sweet and whatnot, but I, I don't think I'm alone when I say that I want to hear a politician describing his wife as sexy. That's just something that just... Mm. Just grates my cheese the wrong way. I don't exactly. Ronald know Reagan wouldn't dare say that about Nancy. Well, no, and Ronald Reagan never did that hideous. Do you remember that the living, breathing horror that was that uh, Al Gore, Tipper Gore makeout session on oh, that TV that time? That's a deal with that. Nobody needs to see that. You know, it was Tipper's because she wants people to think she's a rock and roll mom. I don't need to hear. I mean, Elizabeth Edwards seems like a very nice woman. She's certainly a handsome woman. I don't need to hear about John Edwards getting having big bobblehead love with his wife. That's not a thing I need to know about. It says here, listeners were shocked at something Ann Coulter said. Well, we know that can't possibly be stunned. She uh, fired out some remarks about Jews to Donnie Deutsch, the host of the big idea on CNBC TV that nobody watches. The gist of the remarks was that America would be better off if everybody was a Christian. No, we think we just want Jews to be perfected, as, as they say. Wow, you didn't really say that, did you? <laughs> okay, that's pretty great, actually. He's pretty shocked. Uh, why did he choose Anne to be a guest on his show? I wonder. I put her on. Actually, my producers didn't want to to celebrate her business model. Like her or hate her, she has a very successful business model. She goes to the extreme. She makes millions. Mm. Okay, can we play her clip once more? Certainly. No, we think we just want Jews to be perfected, as as they say. Wow, you didn't really say that, did you? <laughs> it's really that just... only took like three seconds. No, that... <laughs> three just... seconds out of somebody's life. It's just the matter. It's it's just sort of like the blank matter of fact incredulity, uh, incredulity, incredulity in uh, in his voice. That's really that's really what makes the whole clip there. That he just it's not that he's even angry so much. He's just not quite sure that his ears were accurately relaying those aural sensations just then. All right. Well, I'm I'm stunned and shocked that Ann Coulter says something that smacks him. I know it doesn't. The odds makers take a beating. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's Tim Riley. No charges will be filed against a six-year-old boy who tried to drive himself to Applebee's. Josh Barker moved his child seat out of the back seat of his grandmother's car, sat down, turned the key, and was on his way. But he didn't make it very far. I hit the gas, but then um I crashed into these things because I'm just a boy. I don't know how to drive a car. Yes, he backed it into a transformer, <laughs> cutting up the power to the neighborhood. <laughs> I like that he immediately, though, has already learned to use his gender as a defense. I'm just a boy. I don't know how to drive a car. I wonder how many things that will be in, for which he will use as his excuse of the future. That's wonderful. Well done, young lad. Up to California we go now, where former patients of Dr. Mark Anderson say the woodland dentist touched them inappropriately during dental procedures. The California Dental Association suspended his license and practice, and Anderson's lawyers are in court now appealing for his reinstatement. They argue that uh, touching the patient's breast, so part of a treatment known as TMJ. Uh, the argument victim's attorney... The Noel touch Paris, my junk I procedure. So. Men suffer from TMJ, too. I haven't heard about any men even having their chest massage, so wouldn't that have been great evidence for them? Okay, there's a Lifetime movie about this. Same exact thing that the dentist used to have sex with women. It was called uh, She Woke Up Pregnant. <laughs> oh, really? It was really disturbing. Yeah, she went in to get this, um, she went to get some dental surgery done, and she's married, like happily married. Turns 
turns out this dentist rapes her while she's asleep. It's based on a true story. She, you know, finds out she's pregnant. Her husband, you know, leaves her because he thinks that she's cheating on her and stuff. She has to take the dentist to court, and they have to have this, like, whole hijinks trying to catch him. That's all kinds of unnerving. It's really messed up. And the guy who put the dentist is just really creepy. And what's even more disturbing is I can't come up with the appropriate pun that I'm almost sure is, is just laying there waiting to be used. I know it. Should we wait? Wait. No, no, no. No. Oh, God. <laughs> no, hold on. Based on a true story, Rick, be nice. No. I'm sorry. You're going to need a drilling. <laughs> wait. I'm going to have to fill this cavity. You sons of bitches, that's funny. Don't. Scotty, do you find that funny? I know I'm going to like the... Like the oh, <laughs> I'm running to the last defense of the comic. Max, do you find that funny? <laughs> you know that's funny. All right. Scotty said that's the funniest thing he's ever heard. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, let's go to Spokane for this one. A North Spokane man has been charged with first-degree attempted murder for crafting an elaborate plot to kill his estranged wife. On Sunday, 38-year-old Sean Allen Jennings told his wife... He was putting up a Halloween haunted house for their children in the garage. Uh, Rachel said she was handcuffed and blindfolded before Jennings put a noose around her neck and pushed her off a stepladder, something he had been plotting for two months. Uh, Rachel has a big bruising around her neck where the rope was placed. Her hands are also still black and blue from when Jennings handcuffed her. And this is, but where was the haunted house? Their own home? Yeah, the garage. This is just like the guys yesterday... Ro- Look, I don't want to be giving advice to criminals, but this is like the guy yesterday robbing the bank and then getting on the max. Mm-hmm. Why would you plot for two months to kill your? And I believe the correct pronunciation is WAF, by the way. Wow. Why would you? Why would you plot for two months to kill your WAF, and then decide to do it five feet away from where you created the plan? Well, she had no idea of Jennings' true motives when he blindfolded her. <laughs> uh, she was told it was because Jennings wanted the haunted house to be a surprise. We were joking all day about it. That would be surprising, wasn't it? Wouldn't it? Jennings told her he wanted to hang a skeleton from a beam in the ceiling and needed her to climb onto the ladder and measure the rope. He didn't mention it was hers. That's when uh, Rachel said the ladder was kicked out from underneath her. I was falling and yelling, Sean, help me. Uh, Rachel said she was balancing on her toes and choking while Jennings watched. Uh, He goes, uh, just give up and let it go and make it easy on yourself. Let's end this so we can get it over with. As she began to pass out, Rachel said Jennings changed his mind and said he was sorry and helped her down. I made him promise that if he uh, if he let me go, that I wouldn't say anything to anyone. Two days later, Rachel gathered the courage and turned Jennings into the police. She plans to file divorce papers. I still love him. <laughs> of course she does. Where do they live? Uh, Spokane. Of course she still loves him. Oh, and the children are staying with grandparents now. now. Of course. They'll never get to see the haunted house. Okay, by the way, this person says, Rick, just so you're not alone, I laughed out loud at filling the cavity. Uh, Hi, you're Rick Emerson uh, on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. No, you're Rick Emerson. I'm Chuck. Uh, Is this me? Yeah. Yeah, what's up? Uh, So uh, this woman goes into the dentist's office, and he says, oh, I I think we're going to have to pull your tooth. She says, I think I'd rather have a baby. He says, well, make up your mind. i got to adjust the chair. But, um. Chuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He's just encouraging <laughs> That's not, I am horrified, sir. I won't have such humor on this program. Here's Tim Riley. Yum. It's time for the Waynesville, Ohio, <laughs> Sour Festival. I didn't hear anything after yum. What? 
Yum! It's time for the Waynesville, Ohio Sauerkraut Festival. Mm. The event is this weekend and features lots of food made of cabbage, including pizza, fudge, donuts, and pies. The event began back in 1970 when workers served up some 500 pounds of sauerkraut. This weekend, they expect to ship seven tons of sauerkraut to about 250,000 visitors. Maybe one will be you. Gainesville yeah. is 60 miles northeast of Columbus. Uh, you know, sauerkraut is one of those things that is just... There are certain foods that are meant to be eaten, not even in moderation, but just in the, the tiniest of amounts. And I think sauerkraut is one of those. Who came I, up with such a terrible idea? I don't... You know, the Germans, who are just freaks. I mean, really. And they took a break from slaughtering their neighbors. <laughs> this, all of this murder is giving me the most terrible hunger. <laughs> all we have got is this cabbage and vinegar and all these guns. What can we do tonight? Um, I can say that because I might be German. Who knows? Uh, sauerkraut is awful, though. If you take, I mean, sour. It's not awful, but it is one of those foods like bacon. That is meant to be eaten in a certain amount, and you never really know what the amount is until you've gone one forkful too many. It would like eat a bacon. You'd be eating mm, one piece of bacon, you know, great. Two pieces of bacon, great. Five pieces of bacon, great. Six, uh, gonna be ill. Uh, it, not unlike those grandma's animal cookies that have the pink and white frosting and the little sprinkly things on them. They're really great until you hit some sort of grandma little pink and white frosted cookie with sprinkles on it, event horizon. At which case, it, 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 you know, you just start to feel like a whole lard sensation in your mouth. So it is with sauerkraut. Sauerkraut is good as a garnish or sort of a, I don't know, some sort of a... Um, some sort of a, a cabbage condiment. Mm. Uh, but, you know, my mom used to make sauerkraut. And here's the terrible thing about sauerkraut. The worst thing about it is the making of it. Because every single thing within about 15 square feet of the, sour, uh, the sauerkraut crock smells like sauerkraut by the end of the fall. Because it takes, like, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. You're basically letting sauerkraut just, just rot into some sort of a fermented froth inside, uh, like a like a big... You know, like a big pestle. I mean, that's what it looks like. It's just vile. So, I mean, don't even get me started on my family's sauerkraut consumption rate. It's just, it's all kinds of unnerving. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, which is broadcast every day on KCMD Portland. What's up? Mr. Emerson, how you doing today? Hi there. This isn't going to be a dental joke, is it? Dental joke? Yes. No, this okay. is, no, it's not. Okay, there's three women go to a baseball game, now, and they bring, yes. And they bring some Jack with them. Hold on, hold on. They, they, yes. they bring some what? Jack. Some what, like Jack Daniels? Yes. Okay. Um, is this going to be a joke that we're going to re- we're going to regret airing it? Um, well, I'll tell you, it, there's no obscenities, <laughs> nothing against women in it. It's a nice, clean joke. I told my wife. She said, "This is a my cute joke." Wife. How do you? <laughs> how do you? How do you feel about this? Joke on a scale of one to ten, sir. One to ten? Yeah. Um, this is six. Okay, go ahead. All right. So they uh, bring the Jack in with them, you know, pour it in their coke. They have Jack and Coke. Then they find that the bottle is empty. At that time, the score of the game is what? Four to three. I don't know. <laughs> Bottom of the fifth, bags are loaded. Bye now. Ouch. Not even crickets. No, no. Goodbye. Oh, jeez. Now we get some other things going on here. Bad is it, things? Is it something yeah. bad? Bad things. Oh. Should have saved my yeah. dental joke to lift the mood later. <sighs> All right. Hold on. Let's just take, take a moment and brace ourselves. Let's gird our loins. Okay. 
Now, another pedestrian has been struck and killed oh. by a vehicle in Northeast. This happened at the corner of Northeast 60th and Prescott really? around noon. The pedestrian was killed instantly. Well, there you go. So that was uh, Northeast 60th and Prescott. Then I have uh, another event going on here, some uh, sort of traffic tap. Apparently, a truck has rolled on I-5 and Columbia Boulevard blocking traffic. That's I-5 and Columbia Boulevard blocking traffic. Well, okay. Really is quite a busy couple of days out there. We should take a break here. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Rachel McGrath around the corner. Uh, what else is coming up? Scott Daly, Dennis Pitsenbarger, Nickel Arcade, Office Confidential, and uh, more from Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. No offense. Yeah, whatever. I'm sure there was no offense. Eh? <laughs> no, it's just the way she said it. It was, and I didn't know they were yours. I thought you just sort of found them laying back there underneath. No, they're mine. Crackers. All right. Cracker. I'm sorry, I didn't, uh, no. I barely heard. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. It's my computer too low again. You know what it is? It's you let me deal with the volume, Rick. Just leave it. All right. Well, it's because that Britney thing is actually so loud, I have to turn it down over here. It distorts on my computer. It's because there's too much rock to be contained by my computer. Are they, Scotty, are the Nickel Arcade are they, they're rehearsing? That's adorable. All right. They're <laughs> practicing upstairs. Aren't they cute? Those little mop tops. You just want to scritch their heads. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A pedestrian was struck by an RV this afternoon and oh. killed at Northeast 60th and Prescott. The person was killed instantly. Then the ramp for I-5 northbound to Columbia Boulevard in Portland is completely blocked by a rolled-over 18-wheeler and trailer. Okay, what is going on in the roads the last day or two? This really makes So they're going to be traffic tie-ups. Jesus, this makes me uh, afraid to get on the road anywhere at all, ever. So if you're on I-5, you need to use Lombard or Marine Drive exits instead. I like any excuse to get on Lombard Street. So who wouldn't? Uh, then we have a teenager and a younger boy being treated after being hit by a car at Southeast 111th and Herald today. The kids are 15 and 12. They were both riding on the same bike, but it was their fault. They drove right in front of a car, and they were hit, so it wasn't the driver's fault this time. There'll be a memorial service for that bicyclist killed by the cement truck tonight. Uh, fellow cyclists will be riding up East Burnside Street in her honor beginning at 6.30. The ride will form on the west approach to the Burnside Bridge. Currently, of course, that bridge is closed to cars, so you can still ride on it with bike and pedestrians here. safe there. Oregon Secretary of State has confirmed that the second of two anti-gay petitions has failed miserably. According to the election division, uh, not enough ballot signatures were turned in for the petition to force a referendum in the next election. So that's dead. Uh, you're probably wondering how Ted Kennedy is doing. He'll remain hospitalized for a few days after getting his uh, arteries unclogged. Uh, reportedly, he's uh, choking with the nurses, eating ice cream, and having a glass of ginger ale. Trying to clog those arteries back up as, as, as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's that. He'll be fine. I know we're all concerned. Uh, lead in toys was bad enough, but now, ladies, there's lead in your lipstick. Blame the Chinese. A consumer group that lobbied the beauty industry to phase out chemicals linked to cancer and birth defects, saying they put them back in without telling you. And uh, many of the major brands, including L'Oreal, True Red, Classic Wine, and CoverGirl, also uh, some of the French names, and I'm not even about to pronounce, but if you're wearing lipstick, chances are you got lead in your mouth. 
<laughs> I don't know why that sounds so rude. It just does. Sarah, are you wearing any of that today? What were the brands? What were the brands? L'Oreal, CoverGirl, something or other. I am wearing L'Oreal. Oh, All right. Well, there you go. You're you're full of lead. Face full of lead Yay. is what you got there. Uh, and who wouldn't want it? No, no, of course not. I'm surprised that nobody has used the obligatory get the lead out phrase for any of this. There's been no headline. Nobody's used that phrase at all in any of these stories. I'm very disappointed. And to the surprise of nobody, there's a chicken pie lawsuit going on. We told you about those uh, banquet uh, chicken pies. Really, the idea of a banquet and a chicken pie are mutually exclusive. So the idea that there is a banquet brand chicken pie is fantastic. That's like banquet brand macaroni and cheese. Now, apparently, it's made 139 chicken pie eaters sick. Uh, one is a girl whose uh, parents are suing because she uh, ate chicken pie with salmonella. Yum. She had such high fevers <laughs> that she actually uh, had febrile seizures and then was on intravenous um, antibiotic treatment uh, for over a week. And um, pretty sick little girl. Well, okay. Yeah. Never mind. She's sick from chicken pie. I'm just going to... Now, I was going to say... Never mind. I'm just, I'm just going to say chicken pie... Uh, the, <laughs> First of all, I'm assuming this is what this is what in the Breakfast Club is referred to as a chicken pot pie, correct? In some circles, it is. Yes. In some circles, in some, in some, some chicken pie eating circles, <laughs> it may be. In certain social strata, <laughs> uh, that's just one of those foods. In Hyannis Park, it's in, often referred to as. Just like they had on the Mayflower. Um, that is one of those foods that I will always and forever. I mean, it's right. Really, is it is sort of. It is sort of some poultry version of the fish stick, in my opinion. You know what I mean? I always associate a pot pie with, like, one of those things that my dad would decide was a really great idea to cook around 11.30 at night after he was into a half rack of, uh, of you know, like, Rhinelander beer. Uh, and decided that was... My dad always had Eskimo pie. Really? Yeah. Now, now see that. Every night before the Tonight Show, Eskimo pie. Can I tell you that, huh. first of all, I don't know what an Eskimo pie is. Is that it's ice a cream? Square, it's a square ice cream with... Surrounded by chocolate with no stick. Is it like a Klondike bar? Yes. Okay, it's yeah. like a Klondike yeah. bar. All right. Can I tell you this? I, there's two things. I don't know what they are. I don't know what moon, I don't know what a moon pie is. And oh, that's like a scooter pie. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for clearing it up. <laughs> that was the most circular answer I've ever heard. What's a moon pie? Like scooter pie? Are they in turn both like shoe fly pie? I don't know. I've never seen a shoe fly pie. See, that's what I'm saying. Now I got three things. I got to add scooter pie to the list of things that I couldn't explain if you put a gun to my head. I am shoe fly well, pie. Well, you probably never had a fluff another either. No, I. So you're not from the East Coast. Fluff or nutter? Fluff or nutter? <laughs> fluff or nutter? Marshmallow fluff, fluff and peanut butter. Fluff or, fluff or nutter, by the way, has now that is now usurped. I you've got lead in your mouth as the, the phrase of the day that sounds profane, even though it so arguably isn't. If you can't find isn't. a scooter pie, you can have a fluff or nutter. Okay. If you're not a ringdings or devil dogs. These all sound so unbelievably sexual at the moment. I don't know why. I don't even know if a shoe fly pie is a real thing, by the way. That might be just some sort of some sort of southern gibberish that they, that they spit out to, to fool the Yankees. I don't know. All right. A fluffernutter, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, is a fluffernutter, marshmallow cream, and something else, some other thing? Peanut butter. And peanut butter? All right, okay. Fluffernutter. Just in case you've got one too many teeth. Just in case, you know, dental bills aren't quite high enough. This is just sort of jack those up a little bit. All right. Uh, well, let's do a couple more here, and then we'll um, and then we'll uh, bring in the Nickel Arcade guys here in a few. Uh-oh, we understand Brittany was a no-show for the second day in a row, canceling her dancer auditions for upcoming tour and new video. I bet both won't happen. No. 
Uh, they were supposed to be at the Millennium Dance Studio in North Hollywood today between 9 and 5, but Brittany sent a text message at 11 saying, I'm not going to be there. Naturally, they're disappointed, but that's the way it is if you're a dancer, an actor, or anything. Uh, the mother of a 14-year-old who authorities say had a cache of guns, knives, and explosive devices in his bedroom for a possible school attack has been charged with buying her son three weapons. Now, see the picture of this woman? She's huge. Like a whole bag of marshmallows pushing a walker. And, and her son just looks like a younger version of her, but he can stand up without the walker. Uh, the teenager felt bullied. Well, if you saw what he looked like, you, you know why. And tried to recruit another boy for a possible attack. Uh, his mother is not accused of helping plot the attack, though. But uh, apparently the mother bought the rifle, which has a laser scope, at a gun show a September picture? 23rd. I did mom? yesterday. I'll have to go back and look for it. All right. uh, let's see. So, uh, yeah, she bought all this stuff at a gun show. And the teenager already had two twenty-two caliber weapons that were stored in the family's home. What state is this? This is, uh, what state is this, Ohio? Well, it is God's country. Pennsylvania. 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 What's, what's the mom's name? Um, Michelle Cozy. Michelle Cozy, like uh, a Cozy. C-O-S-S-E-Y. S-S-E-Y. All right. And the, the uh, young man's name is uh, Dylan. All As right. in Matt Dylan. Or Dillinger. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> we know what's eating Gilbert Grape. I mean, she looks like one big fluffer nut. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. And the floor squeaks every time she's... <laughs> no, and her, you can hear her sneakers screaming for mercy from three blocks away. I don't know at what point we lost control of today's program. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, the person uh, that got hit on Prescott, that happened right in front of my house. Which uh, which uh, which uh, injury is this? We've got like 700 today? different injuries to keep track of. This happened the lady that died. Okay, this is Northeast 60th and Prescott at noontime. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, was it, this, it, this isn't the bicyclist. No, uh, we're not sure if they were on the bicycle. It's just this pedestrian run over by a recreational vehicle. All right, okay. Yeah, I didn't see much, but I know that it was a driver. Oh, no. Oh. Bleeping. That's, uh, that's getting bleeped. Thank you. Oh, Scotty, please remove that from the podcast, too. Thanks so much. Oh, jeez. People have no... Is there no sense of decency? No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Do we have the cannibal watch? I, I'm pretty you sure. You know what? Where's that cannibal story? I'm pretty sure there's oh, a there cannibal is. watch. Let's do that, Let's and do the then we will watch. bring in the, uh, the nickel arcade guy. Thank you. It was kind of funny. Shame I had to bleep it. All right, there you go. It was sort of amusing. It really was. It really was amusing. I don't know that our lawyers would agree. I'm sure the CBS lawyers would find it uh, enriching, but not amusing. All right. Oh. Well, we'll get back to this story in a minute. Oh God, is there something else? Is it another? Are we ending the week on like the worst news day ever or something? Yeah. All right, fine. Well, let's do the cannibal watch so we can at least, you know, okay, have a laugh before. The, the next one isn't the last. So let's have one now, shall we? Dateline Mexico City, where everything is funny. <laughs> An aspiring horror novelist was arrested after police discovered his girlfriend's torso in his closet, a leg in the refrigerator, and bones in the cereal box. Jose Luis Calva told police he had boiled some of his girlfriend's flesh but hadn't eaten it. Uh, but, well, no, you got to let it cure. Uh, he's a writer and a poet, a creative type. <laughs> and officers found a draft of a novel entitled Cannibalistic Instincts. Investigators have tried to determine if chunks of fried meat found in the pan in the apartment are human. 
Police came to the Randy's apartment after neighbors reported a terrible smell. They discovered the dismembered body of his girlfriend, Alexandra Gilina, in the closet. This is making me sick. A leg and piece of an arm were found in a refrigerator, and there were bones in the cereal box. The family of the woman, a pharmacy clerk, reported her missing on Friday and told police she had a relationship with this man. He was being investigated in the clings of two other women, including an ex-girlfriend, also a pharmacy worker, whose dismembered body was found in 2004. Maybe, and an unidentified prostitute. Maybe if your boyfriend is being investigated in a series of vanishings and dismemberings, maybe separate residences for a while. Well, he, he, he tried to run from police to avoid arrest, but was struck by a car. <laughs> See, every now and again, a car gets it right. You know what I mean? Every just the idea of the bones in a cereal box is sort of the interesting. That's the Ugh. that's the horrible cherry on top of this horrible uh, Sunday of a story. There's your cannibal watch uh, for Friday on the Rick Emerson show. Jesus. By the way, before we do this horrible story, Scotty, as soon as that uh, Tim tells this horrible news, we'll bring in Nickel Arcade. Uh, this email is from someone who cannot be named. He says, hey, radio boy, do not mention my name or I will be removed slash canned. So with that being said. Is that somebody else in the media? Um, well, I'm not going to. I shouldn't say. Okay. So we're not specifying what business they may no. be in. Do not mention my name. It could be like a Fuller Brush Man. It is the Fuller Brush Man. He's got to be removed. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he won't um, be knocking on doors in suburbia anymore. Just letting your listeners know that Miss Piggy. Jennifer Aniston is in town now. Oh. Currently filming in the Gateway area. She'll be in Portland for a few days, then moving into town before they leave towards Madras. Signed, I Need Sleep. So there you go. I won't identify who that's from, but uh, somebody apparently... What? Is it... No. No, okay. it's not that person. No, I think he would just... He would say, use his name. Yeah. No, this is from somebody who... Um, uh, I won't identify that. I just say that this is a person who um, has emailed me before who uh, has had some... Uh, Relations? With the star. No. What's your deal today? <laughs> you you know what you are today? You are the bad devil on the shoulder. You are the little devil on Tom Holtz's shoulder in Animal House today. No, he has not had relations. Well, he might have had relations with... I don't believe he's had relations with Jennifer Anderson. I'm saying he's a tip... Uh, he's told us in the past. I'm sure he probably wouldn't mind. They'll be filming here till the uh, 19th of November. So she'll be in town for a while then. Yes. Hey, Scotty, why don't you bring the Nickel Arcade guys in while Tim reads this story that apparently is going to depress us all again. And then we'll uh, and then we'll try to lift up the corners of our sagging hearts with the poptastic sounds of Nickel Arcade. Okay, so we were talking about this uh, pedestrian who was killed at Northeast 60th and Prescott at noontime. Uh-huh. Well. Uh, I can just tell from your tone of voice. A witness says a couple was arguing, and then the woman jumped into the motorhome to drive away. The man followed, and then... She ran him over. It looks as though the woman intentionally ran over the man in a fit of rage. The man could not be saved and died at the scene at the corner of Northeast 60th and Prescott. Wait, I'm unclear about this. So, was this... A couple are fighting. I understand that, but, I mean, was this in front of the house where they lived? Apparently so. So, they live at the house there, we think. Well, in that uh, immediate vicinity. Okay, in the vicinity. Yeah. They're fighting. They're fighting. The woman jumps into a motorhome, big RV, to drive away. The man follows, and then she ran him over. Oh, well, that's, don't, yeah, you don't want to, okay, the moral one is when someone is enraged at you, mm-hmm. and they decide to get behind the wheel of a motor vehicle, why don't you just let that be for a while? Mm-hmm. Um, it looked as though the woman intentionally ran over the man in a fit of rage, said a neighbor. Okay. The man could not be saved and died at the scene. As opposed to in a fit of happiness. 
Uh, all right. Well, and don't because that almost. I mean, I don't know if it's the case, but that certainly implies uh, that he. I don't know if this is the case, but that certainly implies that maybe he jumped in front of it or something. Well, it looks a... like there's there's tracks there, and then there's the body. I'm looking at the oh, picture right now. Oh no! Hell no! No, that's not right. Don't look, don't look at that. No, you don't want to look oh, at that. Oh no! No. <laughs> well, this isn't a visual no. medium anyway. No, but no, but. Okay, the radio isn't, but that computer screen in my eyes, mm-hmm. that's a visual medium right there. You don't want to do that. No, that ain't right. Uh, oh, they're going to be cheetahs at the Oregon Zoo this weekend. You, there is something really weird with all of us today. I'm sitting here being horrified about this story, and you are already onto the fact that there's going to be an exotic uh, cat of some kind at the Oregon Zoo. Oh, uh, you know, that, that thing's just waiting for a chance to kill somebody. That's just that cheetah's just waiting for a chance to maim. You know it's true. It's a benefit for the Cheetah Conservation Center. All right. Uh, you know, if I was uh, if I was feeling sharper today, I'd be able to make some pun about that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Glee Club just entered good, the studio. Good afternoon, Rick. Hi. Did, did you say Jennifer Aniston is filming in the Gateway area? Well, that's uh, I didn't say that. Someone who cannot Not be named. location. Man, better, better start a corpse watch because she, you know, that's Gateway. Yeah, she's not long for this world. Is this a threat, sir? Do we need no, to inform the no, FBI? No, no, I, I, I live, I, I live in Gresham. I, uh, I know the east side. She's not coming to Gresham. <laughs> no, well, no, but Gateway is about as close to Gresham as, as uh, you could. I mean, it's not Troutdale. I'm not saying that, but still. All right. Thank you. It is the gateway to Gresham. The gateway mm-hmm. to hell. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. I just drove by that scene where the uh, pedestrian was killed. Now, can I just yeah. say at this point, hold on a second, before you say anything, I don't mean to interrupt. At this point now, we have had... So many uh, accidents and so many unpleasant incidents between cars, pedestrians, cars, bicyclists, cars, cars, pedestrians, and pedestrians. This show is just weirdness out of control. You really, the last 48 hours, you really have to, I'm not trying to be morbid, you really are going to have to specify which horrific accident you were talking oh, about. 60s and Prescott. Is that the Winnebago one, the RV one? Too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yes. it, yeah, it looks more like a crime scene. It's sealed off with crime scene tape, and there's an orange tarp over the body and everything. I mean, yep. it, I've, I've, been to, I've been to fatal accidents before, and this looks more like a crime. You're on just a hobby of yours, or are you no, just bad No, no, I, I mean, I'm, a, I'm a delivery driver. I'm all over the place, so I just happen to see it. All right. All right. So. Thank you, sir. Yeah. All right, there you go. Yeah, that's an unpleasant photograph. Where do, where, where was that uh, picture at, Tim? Northeast 60th in Prescott. But, I mean, where was it? Was it on oh, K- the new site or K2 or something? Mm-hmm. It was, was that a, a helicopter picture. Yeah, and even from far away, that's a... Uh... You don't want to get up any closer than that. No, that's a, that's a, that's a whole lot of ugly. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to do that. All right. Uh, well, let's get one more here, and then we'll bring the Nickel Arcade guys uh, on the air. Hi. And then next hour, Scott Daly, um, other things, stuff. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, how you doing? What's up? Uh, what in the heck is there out in Gateway that they would want to use to film against? What is the backdrop that they're seeking? That I don't know. They're going to go to Gateway. I mean, what sort of a movie are they making? Uh, hypodermic needles. I don't. Yeah, ruined ruined subdivisions of the 20s or something. I would say if they're filming some sort of, you know, like it's a post-apocalyptic dystopian wasteland kind of a thing, really you can't you can't go wrong with that. So it's kind of like they're doing Mad Max, and they just say, well, let's go to Gresham or something. Yes, yes, exactly. Mad- Very good. All right. Mad Max beyond the thing. I really am not funny today. I feel like there's all of these. Swing in a minute. Oh, Winnie the Pooh toys are being recalled now. Should we just break, reset, and then come back? I think so, because this let's show is just, this show is flaking away like bad latex paint today. All right. Uh, Tim is Tim is incapable of talking about the same story for more than five seconds in a row. There are too many breaking stories. I am just in some sort of creative Mad Libs that have cannot be filled in. Sarah's... 
I don't know. Sarah's scrounging around underneath sofa cushions for edible things. It's all very strange today. All right, we're going to reset. Uh, when we come back, Nickel Arcade in the studio, Scott Daly and all that. Don't go anywhere. It's a Rick Emerson show. Stay there. Now that's a fruit who really knows where his towel is. AM 970. Yes. Why, hello. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 733 2970. 503 733 2970. Here's what's coming up today. Uh, we got the CNN Radio correspondent Rachel McGrath uh, will be joining us here in just a skosh. Uh, some sort of development with it. Well, I mean, we heard a little bit about Anna Nicole Smith, and uh, we'll uh, just get, get our final Britney fix before we head into the weekend. Speaking of Britney, uh, the Britney Watch creators, Nickel Arcade, are going to be in the studio later on this hour. Uh, they'll do a... Um... Now, do we know what they're going to play? Not at all. What is that sound? I don't know. Do you hear that weird space alien sound? A little bit. I'm not a little... This is not in one of those... You're kind of crazy. Scotty, do you hear a noise in the left channel? In the left channel? I don't hear it. I hear a... Scotty always. <laughs> Scotty, can you hear it over the calling of the monkeys in your head telling you to kill? Uh, yeah, because it's just uh, you and our microphones. I hear like a really loud computer. electronic whirring noise happening in the left channel of my headphones. Well, that is very strange. There's a whole lot of weirdness happening on this side of the room lately. I don't know what that's all about. Okay. <gasps> I hear that. That's what I'm saying. Okay, it's right it's there. Like a... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should just reenact it for an hour for all the people. <laughs> okay, Scotty, I do not hear it. Okay, it's there. I'm telling you, it's there. It sounds like somebody else talking. Like oh, I don't hear that. Frequency. What if we're hearing two separate imaginary noises? This is really gripping for Rachel, I'm sure, who's sitting there listening on hold as our increasing neuroses uh, take over our brains and render all of our uh, render all of our senses slowly but slowly but surely uh, completely unusable. All right, uh, it's 503-733-2970. Rachel McGrath in just moments. Uh, Tim Riley at the bottom of the hour. Nickel Arcade coming up uh, after that later on. Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. And another exciting installment of Rick Emerson's Office Confidential. First and foremost, let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles, the always delightful Rachel McGrath. Hi, uh, Rachel. How are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Good. I'm not really fantastic, but that's okay. You know what? I'm not going to make my personal problems your personal problems, Rachel. Thank you. I'm not going to ask you to care about my neuroses or about whatever mental defects may be plaguing me at this particular moment in time. Okay. I won't. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, let's talk about Britney Spears' neuroses and mental defects. Oh, yeah. And then we'll talk about the defects of Anna Nicole Smith, which are... <laughs> and you would really think that once someone was dead... Your defects would have reached a sort of stasis. They would not be. They would not be incurred, But they are. They are becoming more legion by the day. Um, okay. So Britney Spears. Um, so what? She's been. She's been given once a week overnight custody or there's something. And this is. Was this at the whim of Kevin Federline? Was he the one who basically relented and said, "Well, fine. You can. You can do it once a week." 
I don't know whether Kevin Federline sort of relented. I, I think um, his, his attorney, Federline's attorney, didn't want to change the current custody agreement, which gives Federline full uh, temporary custody of the two young boys and allowed Brittany to see them supervised during the daytime. But um, after Brittany went to court yesterday and pleaded with the judge effectively to um, allow overnight visits, saying that basically her, her young sons were being harmed by not being able to spend the night with her, um, it's the, uh, I think the attorneys worked it out that, um, that she could have them one night a week, and I believe that her mother, Lynn, who she's recently sort of reconciled with after months of not speaking to, um, has agreed to be the, the person who supervises uh, the overnight stay of the boys. And is this sort of an ongoing thing until some other agreement is reached, or is this mm-hmm. because they, or is it that they go back to court, I guess, at the end of the month, and yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll look at this again? All right. So yeah, yeah at the end of the month, both... Um, K-Fed and Brittany will have to be back in court in Los Angeles and talk to the, uh, the court commissioner who's handling their custody case to see what, what happens. Because at the moment, the full custody to Fedline is only temporary, but the judge could make that permanent or, or change any, the order again. Has anybody brought up the fact that Kevin Federline, by his own admission, I think about six weeks ago, has no income, has what the courts would term it, no visible means of support? Um, I don't know th- what the courts have, have been saying about it, but I know obviously a lot of um, uh, onlookers are, are talking about it, and, and that raises the whole question of does he just want full custody of the boys because that way he gets more money from Brittany. Um, that's certainly, you know, the naysayers have been saying that about him. But, but you know what, on the other hand, you know, he does, when he does have his young sons, you don't really see him out in public. He's not parading them through throngs of paparazzi. Uh, he's not taking them out to restaurants and taking them into places where the paparazzi are, which we see Brittany doing all the time. So there is a school of thought that actually says that, that Kevin Federline, yes, I'm sure he, he wants the extra money, but perhaps he also really does sort of have some concern about the exposure that his, his kids are getting to the media. And then we've got Anna Nicole Smith, who is just this sort of, she is, she is this sort of posthumous pinata uh, of, of bad stories that just continue to come out. So now what is the, what is the lady, there's something about her doctor, about the drugs they found with her? Yeah, it, um, the, her death was, was ruled an accidental overdose. They found 11 uh, prescription medications in her hotel room in Florida where she died, and they believe that she'd taken at least nine of those, um, which caused the overdose. And uh, it, what's interesting is that we didn't really know there was any kind of criminal investigation going on into um, how she got all these medi- uh, medicines until today when search warrants were served on the home of uh, her psychiatrist um, who lives in Los Angeles and who was also a friend of hers, traveled with Nicole a lot. Uh, she was the one who had um, authorized the prescriptions found in her hotel room. They also served um, uh, search warrants on, on the home and, uh, and offices of another doctor in L.A. who had prescribed methadone to Anna Nicole shortly before her death. And basically the, uh, the general attorney um, of, of California says they've, they've been investigating since March um, the details of these prescriptions and whether any uh, laws were broken in prescribing all these medications either to Anna Nicole herself or were they prescribed for her associates and then were used by Anna Nicole and so basically the psychiatrist and this other doctor are being investigated along with um, um, investigations into pharmacies in, in California and they've interviewed over a thousand people and that it's a multi-agency uh, thing. They're talking to the police in the Bahamas which of course is where um, Anna Nicole um, gave birth to her daughter Danny Lynn and her son Daniel who was 20 at the time died of an overdose and, and there's also the medical board of California is involved in various other agencies. I do have to tell you this is a final observation 
observation. This the, the upshot of all of this, uh, the, the Anna Nicole Smith stuff. The, the the ultimate effect is is it almost makes me just completely disregard any and all health warnings on any over the counter medications I may take, where I'll take like some sort of hay fever remedy and it'll say please, under no circumstances mix this with anything other than tap water or you will die covered in boils. And really, you've got Anna Nicole Smith who I think is taking enough uh, tranquilizers and drugs every day to kill a herd of small elephants, and it takes about 15 years for them to have any discernibly uh, bad effect on her. So I think I'm just going to begin disregarding all the labels on all the uh, medicines that I have at my home. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Rachel, enjoy your weekend. <laughs> you too, Thank guys. You. You're the bee's knees. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that lady hates you so much. I, I love her. She's so great. She is great. <laughs> And just it's just it's off it's totally awesome to see your your charm fail. No, and it's just but you know what? But can I say this? It fails in like the most spectacular it way does. with her. I love having her on. It's uh, there are other people who I will not identify who have been on the program maybe in the past. Uh, hey, the noise is gone. It was there the entire. It's like the alien tracking uh, thing, you know, the motion sensor where it stops because they're inside the room. Um, there are people we've had on the show in the past where my charm fails, but in a totally just denuded kind of uninteresting way, where I, I use all my immaterial, I try to be funny, I try to be charismatic and witty and whatever. Like with the Carrot Top or Steven Seagal? I wasn't going to use them, but yeah, okay, yeah, also them. Uh, I was going to use, um, yeah, her, uh, and I tried, and it just doesn't work. Um, it's just sort of boring. Rachel, though, is great because, and I think it's the British thing. I think part of it is the British, uh, comedic sensibility, and then also it must be said, the accent. Really, just the, the, the accent really sells just the... Have we, have we ever looked at what she looks like? No, uh, just those small little spiky, you know, you know what she gives you? What she gives you is like a tiny little tic-tac, but it's just filled with death. That's what it is, it's a tiny little tic-tac filled with pins. God love her, Rachel McGrath. I dig that girl. All right. Um, all right. So, Scotty, well, what is the deal with Dennis? Do I do I have time to do this other thing, or do I have to sit here and stare at the phone like some sort of pining girlfriend waiting for Dennis Pitsenbarger to call? Hmm? Looking at the screen. Okay, if Dennis doesn't call in four seconds, we're going to do Office Confidential, Sarah, which we have enough for quite some okay, time. Okay, and do you want... Um... Four, three, two, one. <laughs> You are sort of the Rachel McGrath of CBS Portland, Tim. Um, uh, okay. Uh, all right. So what, Sarah? What were you asking me? Oh, did you want... I, I know that there really isn't any reason, but it's always nice for you. You want Kelsey to come hang out in the studio? Yeah. I, I honestly... We've got a lot of things going on, so I don't know. Is it the... I would hate for her to come in and then sort of be shunted to the side. Cause we got well, because we've got Tim, and then we got Nickel Arcade, and then we got Scott Daly. But our last thing's that we're having Nickel Arcade at one thirty, right? If she wants to come in at maybe 2.30. That's what I was thinking. Why don't she come in at 2.30? Maybe I'll tell her that. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, do we? It's been a long time since we played this. Do you have its office? I believe it's A office open and close. Uh, so we'll go ahead and uh, roll it. Uh, we haven't had one of these in a long time. Ladies and gentlemen, here is your office confidential uh, for Friday on the Rick Emerson Show. Mm, yeah. I hate this job. I hate this goddamn job and I don't need it. Human beings are not meant to sit in little cubicles staring at computer screens all day, filling out useless forms and listening to eight different bosses drone on about mission statements. Take 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, back after an exclusive three-year tour of Europe, Scandinavia, and the subcontinent. It is Rick Emerson's Office Confidential, your chance to anonymously complain about your boss, company, or coworkers. This one comes to us. He calls himself Jeff, but it's in quotes, so I don't think that's his real name. Anyway, Rick, during yesterday's show, this would have actually been uh, Wednesday's show, I heard you talking about whatever happened to, which in turn made me think whatever happened to the Office Confidential segment, which made me think about my job, which made me want to strangle the guy across the hall from me. The situation is this. I work for a large cosmetics company, which happens to have a base of operations in Portland. Before you get started, yes, I am a man working in a makeup company. As if that weren't bad enough for my ego, my guy friends have to mention this every time we're in the presence of females. Oh, hey, this is Jeff. He sells hand lotion. Ha, ha, ha. The real problem is my coworker across the hall. He is forever coming into my workspace, which has no door, standing there and asking me if I want to, quote, go get loaded, end quote. Keep in mind, I'm not a religious freak and I enjoy drinking just like the next guy, but not during the work day and not at 1 p.m. I am not Scotty J. And I certainly don't need him asking me out for a belt of whiskey while standing in my cubicle, thus giving everybody the impression that we're closet alcoholics, closet lovers, or both. Why don't I say anything? Because he is, you guessed it, married to the HR woman. Yes, he goes home and has sex with the woman who would be taking my complaint. All kidding aside, I like my job and already make more than my father did at the end of his life. That being said, I would like to go farther, which will be difficult if everybody thinks I'm half in the bag by noon every day. To make matters worse, if I don't hang out with this guy sometimes, I risk getting on his bad side, which, with his wife working in HR, is a bad idea. Is it too much to hope that he's killed in some sort of horrific wildlife accident on the way home from his midday bender? Just a thought. Anyway, thanks for letting me vent, and by the way, whatever happened to Big Gay Sarah? Uh, signed, Anonymous. There you go. There's your office confidential for Friday. Back after this with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Looks like you've been missing a lot of work lately. I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. <laughs> Good one. Oh, that's terrific. <laughs>
Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, and there you go, Nickel Arcade, and I hope there's vodka in heaven. It's 503-733-2970, 503-733-2970. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll talk to uh, our uh, good friend Scott Daly, who's uh, in Los Angeles today. Talk to him on the phone from filmfeverradio.com. Tim Ronley coming up at the bottom of the hour. First and foremost, it's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show again for the second time in as many weeks. Nickel Arcade, why, hello there. Hey. Hello. All right. I feel really bad that I didn't actually introduce anybody last time. So it's like you came in and you're sort of this faceless, like, collective soul anonymous sort of thing going on. It's kind of how we prefer it. Uh, So let's make everybody awkward now uh, by giving you a moment that your mothers can then gush about for the rest of the week. Uh, Peter? I should start by saying my mom has everyone in her office listening right now. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, why? Hello. (laughs) No, she's my biggest fan. Uh, Hey, I'm Peter. (laughs) I'm... uh, Come Does this on. come naturally, or is it like, did you sit at home and script out the number of heart-melting things to say to the, to the chicks listening? No, it's just completely true. My Are you going to take your mom to the Grammys someday, too? Yeah, yeah, well, we'll be in the parking lot. But uh, but no, seriously, uh, whenever I'm feeling down, I just go to my mom. She's like, listen, sweetie. You are so special and so good. And listen, listen, these people, they just don't know yet. Okay, you're just, you're so great. And it's just like, it's my affirmation for the day. She's great. Try not to dwell on the fact that that's usually something said to the talentless or retarded. Well, so, yeah. don't, I'm just, that's not the case, but usually that's a whole lot. No, 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 sweetie, I think you're beautiful. Exactly. Don't you worry about it. Anyways. All right, uh, Peter and... Eugene. Eugene? Eugene. Least metal name ever. And? Not ben, going Eugene. Much better. And, but, right? Ben. Ben, there you go. Pure right. metal. I do have to say this, by the way, that I, uh, you guys, your MySpace page, it's at myspace.com slash Nickel Arcade sucks, and I had gone there after you guys had posted the song, because it was like, I'm going to go hear that song, and so I went there to kind of see, you know, how many people have been listening to it, and it was, you know, like the first day, it was just hundreds of people, like, I have to hear the Britney song, and so I'm looking at the posts. And you know, it's, it's you know, it's it's you guys are great and good song or whatever. And then I do believe I saw at least two posts on your MySpace page that were from people identifying themselves as your moms. And it was, <laughs> a lot of, and it was like, I am so correct. proud of you. I always knew that you would become huge, and it's just it really is it really is great. So I believe the exact quote is she's going to buy us all a big pancake breakfast, oh. and we were holding her to that. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, my That's, mom's the greatest. That is fantastic. All right. Uh, so before let's try a couple bits of business here because I always uh, forget to do the whole. And then it gets shoved to the end, and then I, you know, and then I just I'm having to get it all out in like five seconds. Um, you guys are playing Sunday at Satyricon. You better believe it. All right, and this is now. And you're going to go watch them, Rick. Yes, 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 yes. I am. Is I'm super stoked. Is this an acoustic set or an acoustic show? It's going to be. It's we're doing an acoustic because uh, no drummer will not hold us back. Oh, that's right. You guys don't have it. So who drummed on the on the song? Uh, the guy who recorded it, uh, Stephen Hawk. All right. Now is this like a Pete Best thing where you guys are going to be huge and then you're going to send taunting emails to the old drummer, telling you know like no, our, our, our old drummer, t- drummer, our old drummer Tony Bates. <laughs> Sorry, a little uh, Freud moment there. Our old drummer Tony Bates, good man. He, could, right. he became a doctor. He became a doctor. Uh, we'll see. That's oh, one of those. Okay. That's you know? one of those hard crossroads, though, where you're like the doctor band, doctor band. You know what I mean? And it's so. He always joke. He's too much not a screw up to be in our band. Well, you know, hey, you know, the pe- who's jingling? Oh. Sorry, okay, the tambourine. No, I sound like someone's wearing a bunch of bangles. What our cat with That's us? What it like. <laughs> <laughs> the Pete Best from the, you know, the, the guy, the, the Pete Best left the Beatles, and there was always this, the two great stories, because he is like the ultimate cautionary tale in rock, right. where every drummer who ever leaves a band at any point prior to major success always has the ghost of Pete Best just hovering over the rest of his life. Um, you know, because you don't want to turn on the television, and like, there's your, you know, there's your friend on American Bandstand or whatever, but he... 
So he left the Beatles. They become famous. He like manages a grocery store, That's and in <laughs> Liverpool, which is like the worst place on earth anyway. And in Liverpool, where everywhere he goes, there's like a huge gold statue of John Lennon holding bags of money. And um, but um, but you know, as the story goes, they couldn't figure out who was going to fire him because nobody wanted to be the guy to tell Pete Best that he was out of the band. And um, Pete Best, by the way, who later put out an album, which was, I swear to God, titled "Best of the Beatles." So, anyway. In your face. <laughs> so, they couldn't figure out who was going to fire him. So, finally, as the story, John just goes, well, sod it, I'll do it. And so, he, he picks up the phone, calls Pete Best, and I guess the conversation literally was, it was like four seconds long. Pete Best answers the phone, and John just goes, Pete, it's John, about the band. You're out, right? Okay. And then just <laughs> hangs up, and like, that's it. And so, my friend Todd and I, when we were younger, we always had this really perverse fantasy of calling the supermarket where Pete Best worked in Liverpool, and just, you know... <laughs> Uh, hello, grocery, uh, green section. Uh, Pete, about the, it's Sean, about the man, you're out. <laughs> you know, and just uh, hanging up. So, uh, uh, before, we, before we do anything else, let's, uh, hello, sir, madam, as the case may be. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, this is Laura. It's my mom! I'm, I, <laughs> I am so proud of you guys, I can hardly stand it. <laughs> this, is, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> I am so proud oh, of you so guys. Jealous. These are such good guys. These are such great boys. You just want to tousle their hair, man. I do. And actually, I want to buy them pancakes because that's oh, what they like. They oh. like pancakes at the hot cake house. That, so. really, that really ought to be. So, attention stalkers. This is what we needed after, like, a big downer Seriously, day. Seriously, you guys, oh. I have to say this. You guys, um, Laura, I have to say this. We've had uh, something approximating, I don't know, 65 or 80 stories in a row today about various pedestrians being run down by various large motor vehicles. Oh. So, I'm just saying it's been a bit of a Bleak day here, yeah. news-wise. So I'm, you are here to uh, you are here to bring a ray of sunshine. Well, I'll be the ray of sunshine because I'm telling you, these boys are fantastic people. I don't understand any of them. Okay, <laughs> I don't. I don't understand their music. What the was music that crazy gives me lingo. a headache. Oh, totally. The tattoos, it's lost on me. The piercings, I, I could scream. And yet, I love them. Each of them, I love them so much. I love being with them. I love talking to them. They're smart. They're funny. They're kind. They're good people. And um, I'm lucky to be his mom. I tell I mom, feel I love you. You gotta stop talking. Okay, okay bye. You're ruining his street cred. Right, Come on, I'm a tough biker rock dude. Seriously, this whole conversation is making me diabetic. So. I'm, not, I'm not even kidding you. Seriously, that's like every conversation I have with her. How is it that you're able that's to? So nice to have such encouraging parents. Because you now you write the songs. You the, the... no no no. That was egregious. <laughs> I write the words. Okay. And the vocal miles. This Eugene Nelson, the rock god. This guy. Write the song. See, and awesome. I say this because I never know how the band dynamics work. Because there's some bands, and I'm really not thinking of anybody in particular. Oh wait, no, I am. Uh, <laughs> where no, where you'll try to where you'll try to sort of like the default position if you're talking to a band is you just ascribe credit to everybody. Because if you don't know who wrote the song, you're like, hey, you guys have written some really great songs, and there is a band. Um, in in Portland that gets real persnickety about. Uh, I wrote that actually. Uh, words <laughs> words and music by me. Second um, verse was me. Yeah. So, but you guys, so you sort of, uh, you guys sort of split it up. Completely unrelated to what I just said, you apparently have a fantastic Art Alexakis story. Oh, oh my God. Okay. I haven't heard it, but I've heard Fat Boy reference. <laughs> yeah, I Fat don't know anything about it. Out about it. Okay, so I used to work at a certain, uh, I, I still do it for the company, a uh, youth-oriented I, clothing store. I have a friend who knows you who works for. Uh, yeah, I saw her the other day. It's just a place where I can go to get my, uh, to get my uh, already vintage Ramon shirt that says. Like CBGB or something on the back? It is indeed. All right. And I used to work at the one at Lloyd Center when I first started, uh, huh. back before they put on the nice chairs. I'm and, a fat uh, girl looking for stripy leggings. <laughs> 
Rick Emerson, <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so when I, when I used to first start, when I was first working there, our Alex Zockis used to come in all the time. This is pre-bankruptcy, pre-whatever. And he would come in all the time and just be a dick. Like, he would just... He That's was, hard to believe. He was always coming in there with his... Shocker, shocker. I can't believe what I'm hearing. He used to come in there with his, with his like, 10-year-old niece. Uh-huh. Are you sure it wasn't his wife? I, I, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you read me through that by, like, half a second. Perfect. Anyway, they would come in together all the time, and she, she would pick out, you know, a studded belt and, you know, a simple plan t-shirt or whatever and he would pick it up <laughs> or whatever and he would he would walk around and just just be a jerk and just like like Maybe everyone, so everyone sees him like everyone knew and i would always be the one ringing him up and i would just look at him stone-faced every time and say hey can i see your id with that card <laughs> yeah every time and he would just get that little quiver in his soul patch <laughs> but it's even better and I, I hope i don't get in trouble for telling this part but about a week and a half two weeks after the whole bankruptcy thing uh-huh oh came in with about four bags full of stuff and returned about Oh, I don't know, five hundred dollars worth of merchandise. <laughs> Awkward. I just, I, seriously, every time it came out, I just wanted—I was like, engineering masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> That's—I was afraid we were going for the John Mahoney say anything moment there for a second. I'm sorry, sir. It's been declined. Um, do you have a uh, maybe another card? I. I'm, not, I'm supposed to keep this card. You know, I'm, 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 I'm going to run it again. Sometimes I'm not the car machine method. Maybe I'm the stripe on the back is scratched. I'm going to go ahead and run it oh, again. Uh, uh, all right, so uh, so Nick Arcade Satyricon this coming Sunday. You guys are on. Uh, it's a bunch of bunch of bunch of yeah, bands. We're going to be around, on around nine. We're playing with uh, Del Sol, which is actually really good. Oh, they're. Why great. do I know? Why do I know that? Oh, it's a car. You know, because it's a car. There's a, there's a car called the Del Sol. Why? Who are? The, That's the why band? I know all my bands. I don't pretend to know anything about anything. So Reliant K. The, uh, I know Reliant K. All right. Um, so, and people, have, we got a few so people. How much is the show and what time does it start? The show, the tickets are $10 advance, and they're, I think, like 11 or 12 at the door. Uh, the show starts at 8. Uh, you should come. It's a great place. All right, fine. You never get out of the house. Sounds this is bitches. a good experience. Yes, I know. That's my plan. I've carefully constructed my life yeah, that way. Yeah, but Rick, look, we want to throw our support behind them, and how, uh, how much better can we support them by actually showing up for their yes, show? Yes, fine. All right, I heard you right now saying you're going to do it. You can't weasel out. You've got the supporting mom. I've got the guilt-tripping uh, yeah, producer. Well. So there you go. <laughs> She's on our payroll now. Uh, and then you guys, people have asked if you have a CD or if it's, you're on we iTunes do. Yeah, or on you. iTunes. Uh, right? We're on iTunes. Uh, you can just search for Nickel Arcade. Uh, we're also on CD Baby. Uh, this is in Portland, so this, you'll get the CD in like three days. Excellent. Uh, and that's just uh, cdbaby.com slash Nickel Arcade. Um, and we have some there now and all that good stuff. It's cool. cheap. All right, were you guys going to play uh, something else? Why don't we do, uh, you guys have another original yeah. uh, you're going to play. So you just heard, I uh, hope there's vodka in heaven. You guys have another original. Then we will probably talk to Scott Daly and to take a break and come back after that. But uh, So what is the song you're going to play here? Uh, this song is called Accounting Ruined My Life. Accounting Ruined My Life. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Nickel Arcade on the Rick Emerson Show. You lose the key. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Nickel Arcade. That was awesome, you guys. Right. You have to just clap, too. Make it sound like there's more. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thanks so much. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Well done. And that's called Accounting Room My Life mm -hmm. from the CD How I Made One Million Dollars and Got Into Yale. False. Oh. It's not on the CD. It's, uh, it's on our MySpace, but okay. uh, we just did a little. Right. It's an acoustic B-side. Yeah. All right. Okay. I was just I was so, so focused on just getting the name of the record right there. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Scotty J, do me a favor. Can you uh, round up our good friend Scott Daly uh, here, and we'll do that. Uh, we'll talk to Scott Daly here in a second, who's in Los Angeles, who I believe has a review of. What the hell does he have a review? I think he might have a review of that Seinfeld. So film. he's just on vacation. He's he's, he's in LA. Couldn't be here today, but he wanted to weigh in because he did the interview with Seinfeld last week. Um, he met the, he met Jerry Seinfeld last week. They did that whole thing about the B movie. So we'll talk to him in a second. Then we'll break. We'll come back with Tim Riley and a little bit more from Nickel Arcade. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. I am Angelica Kuvin, and these boys are very amazing. Is someone? Are you related to someone in the uh, to someone in the band? No, I'm not related to someone in the band, but I am their number one fan, actually. So this they is, can't really hear you because Now, headphones. Scotty, are we missing our guest? I just noticed that no one here is wearing a pair of headphones. Scotty used to bring our guests. It's going to mess up like our hair. Scotty, I don't, don't even, <laughs> I don't even know who you are anymore, Scotty. All right. Well, somebody has a... Oh, there he is. Oh, there's Man Tim the Riley. Plan. Thank you, Tim wow. Riley, he ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't give just anybody. No, no, no especially not to... clean. Especially not to scroungy musician uh, types here. Uh, all right, let's uh, say that one more time. Would you please identify yourself once more? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm Angelica. Okay, and, and Angelica. Yes. And Angelica apparently is your number one fan. She is. That girl's all right. All right, excellent. Angelica, thank you so much. Yeah, I'd just like to say... That you you should find someone and get these guys signed because seriously <laughs> they work so hard and oh my god they're just mind blowing. <laughs> Your checks in the mail. Thank you so much. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you, Angelica. Yeah. yeah. I'll get on that today. All right. There How old is Angelica? Angelica? Angelica's 15, and her sister Nicole and her friend Lulu are at every <laughs> freaking show. They're, they're like they're, they're like three hours early. Yeah. Oh, and Lulu awesome. Lulu works at Baskin Robbins, and she made the drink of the week a Nickel Arcade special. 
Could she plays the CD all the time. Could you guys be more all-American? I mean, really, honestly, <laughs> the only way that you guys could be the, the, the more wholesome is if you were somehow playing the town jamboree at Mayberry. Or you know assless I mean? chaps, I think. <laughs> or assless chaps. <laughs> Coming to Stars Hollow tonight, Nicola Cage. Oh, Storm Large just wrote me, you guys, and told me to tell you hi and give you her love. That girl is unbelievable. She posted this huge blog, or this huge bulletin about us. Seriously? Storm, Storm did. She did. I couldn't believe it. Storm doesn't praise just anybody. No, seriously? I, I kind of want to... <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. You don't like it? You send it right back. This is the side of you your mom really loves. Yeah, well, this... her office love though. Yeah. Go to bed, I... mom. It was the pause that really sold that. By the way, I kind of want to be on her. That's fantastic. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have more from Nicole Arcade here in just a skosh. Tim Riley coming up as well. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the City of Angels. On assignment, our good friend from FilmPeopleRadio.com, the one and only Scott Daly. Hello, sir. Hello. Hi, man. How are you? I am. Uh, I am dandy. I am dandy because we're in the we're in the presence of musical greatness, which always puts Fantastic. a smile on our on our collective faces. How's the smog, brother? Well, I, I'm drunk in Long Beach, so I'm good. <laughs> Excellent. That's wonderful. Excellent. It's beautiful, man. It's I, only 73 degrees. Oh, you bastard! Do I hear Love the ocean? You do indeed. I can hear the ocean in the back I, of your phone. Hold on, just let me hear the ocean for a second. Okay, just listen. Yeah. No, I can't hear anymore, but it was there for a second. Oh, you bastard! Yeah, All right, that's fine. Beautiful. <laughs> you, you do sound a little drunk. What are we? Uh, what are we drinking today, Scott? We are drinking. Uh, we just had a really good uh, cider called Savannah. It's an African. It's a West African South African cider. It's quite tasty. Three bottles, and I'm I'm good for a bit. <laughs> okay. And I'm drinking a little bit of Newcastle. So. All right. Anything? Anything? Uh, anything else going into your uh, blood system today? Uh, later, I'm sure more, a little bit of harder stuff, you know, right. when the sun goes down. The harder stuff. <laughs> the harder stuff. Uh -oh. I see. All right. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Um, so, I, uh, first things first, let me just say, I think it's tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, Aaron told me the aliens commentary is going to go up. Well, my friend, let me tell you this. It is up right now. Is, are you sure about that? I'm 100%. Go to filmfeverradio.com and listen to the best damn two and a half hours of your life. I am going to say this, and it's not just because I was a part of it. It really is a great commentary because it was about uh, like six guys, more or less, throughout the evening watching James Cameron's masterwork, Aliens, the director's yeah. cut. And it's which is the definitive Cameron film, and it's oh, yeah. it's, it's and everybody in the room loved the movie, knew it backward and forward. You know, a lot of jokes made, a lot of geeking out, whatever. But there was a lot of, uh, you know, if, you, if you are a fan of Aliens, you really ought to download this commentary, and then we'll give you a little sync spot where we hit, you know, we tell you to hit play, and then right. it, it goes along. And you'll learn a lot about the movie. There's stuff, and I've watched that movie a hundred times and read a ton about it over the years, but there's stuff that even I didn't know about it. Oh, so, the knowledge, the, the combined knowledge between Aaron and Bad Boy is just mind-boggling. And, that like, just, and oh, plus Lord, you guys. And six guys all in a room together going, you know, like, Wispowski! You know, all at once. It's just, <laughs> the greatness can't be overstated. Game over, man! Yeah. But what, what, and what's, what's nice about this, com well, not what's nice or not, it's a commentary, but what's cool about this commentary is there are moments where we don't speak. Yeah, well, we just get so caught up in the, uh, <laughs> like, caught up in the film. We watch the movie, it's yeah. fantastic. And then hearing... So, um, and then hearing Aaron just go on and on again about how much to to, uh, to cop the language of the uh, Nicolas Cage guys, how much Aaron wants to get on Vasquez from uh, Aliens fans. So, yeah, not, I you know, got a got a little, little hot thing going for Vasquez. Uh, there. So what's it? Now you did the Jerry Seinfeld thing last week. We did Jerry Seinfeld last week. And that was on last week's episode, which is still available. And we have a brand new episode of this week where we review not one but two new films. Now, what, um, 
Oh, we review Elizabeth, The Golden Age, which opens today. Uh, it's the sequel to Elizabeth with Kate Blanchett. Yeah, no one cares about that. Uh, you know, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's not great, but it's good. And I, I saw that one. But, but Aaron reviewed uh, 30 Days of Night, which comes out next week. Now, is 30 uh, Days of Night the vampire movie. thing? Yeah. yeah, it's based on the graphic novel of the same title. And it takes place in a town in, in Alaska, the oh, far right. north that you can get. And the vampires are just apparent. I didn't see it. It was a noon screening, so I couldn't get to it. But uh, the vampires apparently are just brutal, and it's, it's uh, according to Aaron, it's probably the best damn horror film in quite a long time. And I know that I should know this because I ought to have listened uh, to last week's to episode seventy of Film Fever Radio. But what is so? When is it, what is the, the the deal with the Seinfeld? The, this B the B movie thing? Because it's a the B movie, yeah. B, B movie opens November second. In a couple weeks, we'll have a full review when it comes out. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's an animated film that uh, Jerry Seinfeld um, just wanted to do. He was having dinner with. <laughs> He was having dinner with Steven Spielberg in the Hamptons and said, hey, I want to, I, I've got an idea for a movie, but it's only a title. Call it B-Movie. It's about bees, but the play on words, the B-Movie. And Spielberg is like, great, right, it will make it. Well, okay. <laughs> so I guess under Jerry Seinfeld, you have that kind of, uh, that kind of power to, to convince Spielberg just with two words to make a movie. That's like that Joe um, Esterhaus story where Esterhaus put down four lines. He described basic instinct in four sentences on a napkin, and he got $4 million for the cocktail napkin. That's exactly what it is. But what's great is we didn't see the whole movie. We went to Seattle a few weeks ago. Um, they, the movie wasn't complete, so we saw like four, five, ten, fifteen-minute segments. Um, and it looks fantastic. It's a DreamWorks picture. And DreamWorks animation, if you've seen the Shrek films, you know, they're just chock full of these overindulgent, old pop culture references. They get old really fast. Well, that's like, yeah, I mean, I, I really, man, I gave it the old college try on my flight back from Cincinnati. I tried to muscle through the latest Shrek film. And it, it was terrible. It was, it was just was like so having bad. my skin peeled off with a fish oh, scaler. I hear it, you, was man. So, it was bad. But what's, what's really cool about the movie, and what's really cool about Seinfeld, and actually I told them this in the, in the interview. You just want, um, you've been waiting to say that, right? I, As I, I, I told I, Jerry Seinfeld. I told Jerry this, and actually I told Jerry how, how you know, when Seinfeld ended, God, almost ten years ago, he was on top of the world. He could do whatever the hell he wanted to do. You know, he got offers like crazy. But he chose not to. He chose to go, to go back to the comedy route and stand-up routine. You know, he did that film Comedian, which is a great, great right. look at kids, fan of comics. Um, and then he's been spending the last three years of his life doing B-movie. You know, and people are going to say, oh, he has kids, he has this. Well, no, he wanted to do it just because he thought it was fun. And that, that's the really cool thing about him. And I told him, I said, man, I really respect what you've done with your career. I respect that you, you didn't just take whatever you can get because you're Jerry Seinfeld. You know, I, I've, I really admire that. I sense was, that you are just moments away from just openly weeping with gushing admiration for him. Well, and I wasn't trying to sound like a, like a, like a kiss-ass. I, I said, I said, I really appreciate this. Right. And I think it's great. And he looked at me, and he very, very sincerely said... Let's make out. That, <laughs> no, but he very sincerely said, that really made my day. Thank you very much. Well, because all the That's other Seinfeld important. people just started cranking out just a bunch of crap left and right. So. Well, yeah. And, and to the other idiots who were... Well, idiots. The other people who were... <laughs> Have another beer. <laughs> I think I will. Uh-huh. The other, the other quote-unquote, journalists in the room were asking questions like... So are you still friends with the Seinfeld cast? Hey, is it and true that somebody called him the Mel Gibson of comedy in that, in, in that, in that interview? Not only did they call him the Mel Gibson of comedy, but the guy who said that was, admittedly, he was written, he was writing for a Christian website. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Like, that's brilliant, nice. They, they should have pointed out that Michael Richards really is the Mel Gibson of comedy. <laughs> anyway. but, hey, uh, so we, we're going to have to jet here, uh, but it's filmfeverradio.com, the uh, commentary up now, new episode up tonight. 
Uh, new episode, I believe it's up. Uh, if it's not up now, it will cool. be in a few hours. All yeah. right. Enjoy Los Angeles. Enjoy the circle. We'll see you soon, brother. Oh, hey, guess what? Yeah. Uh, one more thing. Real, yeah. real quick. Um, Blade Runner, the final cut, is opening this weekend in L.A. and Los a and New uh, York with digital. Bastard. I guess where I'm going tomorrow night, Son buddy. of a bitch. Uh, you're dead to me. All right, goodbye. We're, we're ending it on that <laughs> just, note. Like, just cut it off on him. Yes. No, I thought... Because he was... started to sound like that guy at the end of the show yesterday. He's like, and one more thing. No, and, well, I don't want to hear that he's going to say. Have you seen the Blade Runner thing? It's like five discs, and it's no. like weighs 100. I'm not even like the biggest Blade Runner fan, but it's, it's the, the biggest thing ever. Um... Uh, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. We're coming up on the bottom of the hour. So why don't we – I know you guys had uh, – if I could say this. this is they, they wrote and recorded and sent to you this is a Sarah Dillon birthday song. Did they not? Nickel right Arcade? Uh-huh. All right. So oh, we're going to – we'll go ahead and I we'll go ahead and play this into the break. We'll come back. Tim Riley at the bottom. And uh, we'll get at least one more song from you guys on the other side. Like us at 3, Donna Mike at 7. So, ladies and gentlemen, is there a name for this or is it just the Sarah Dillon birthday song? The song is called Sarah Dillon, It's Your Birthday. All right, it's really cute, too. <laughs> no, but see, can I just, for a minute, the great Don't thing... Don't call us cuddly again. No, I'm just saying... <laughs> just the, go tussle the hair. The great, <laughs> the great thing about uh, being a musician or any type of an artist, though, is that you always have the out when you when it comes to buying a present of like, well, I wrote you a song instead. I mean, you don't, you know. Well, and it was too because like we don't have a lot of money, but this is a gift we can. Well, give. that's what I mean. It's like I have given you the I've given you a piece of my soul. The gift of say. music is the greatest. gift. It's also great because you can say, oh, it's about you. If you're a painter, oh, I painted you this totally jackass. You are. <laughs> look at the ego on this guy. I just wanted you to have a picture of me in the frame. <laughs> no, Excellent. but this is all about you. That's what. The, yeah, that's. All right, Aww. Sarah Dillon, it's your birthday. Uh, this is Nickel Arcade and the Rick Emerson Show. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Sarah Dillon, it's your birthday. I hope it's everything and more. Sarah Dillon, we wrote you a song because empty wallets don't buy much at a bookstore. Sarah Dillon, it's your birthday. I know this is totally lame, but Sarah Dillon, I want you to know you might be 27, but you're still a total babe. You're a total babe.
the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up uh, a little while, we'll have another one from Nickel Arcade. Like us at 3. Uh, we're not, is it Flash Friday? I or believe so, yeah. done. I, I think it's done. Okay, okay so, so it's like we've hit save daylight savings. Yeah. We've, we've fallen back. All right. Uh, and uh, whatnot. Oh, don't forget, uh, Miles Around tomorrow, 9 to 11, with Dennis Pitsenbarger, preceded by Car and Driver Radio. So be listening for that. Five hours of automotive fun, starting tomorrow at 6 a.m. Rick, next time you speak with Carl Click, be sure to ask him about his jam. I used to work with Carl, and damn it if he's not the best jam master in the city. I'm... I'm assuming this is not in the Jam Master J kind of way. I'm having some now, a jar he gave me on his way out the door uh, at his last employer. God bless Carl Click. God bless his jam. All right. Uh, Weird. Rick, about that never-ending caller from the end of yesterday's program, you do know that right now he's sitting in a dark room drinking scotch and squeezing his phone tightly and looking for a gun, right? Ha ha. Uh, and finally, uh, Rick... Did you just say, oh, this is early when we were talking about that, one of the many dozens of car accidents we've reported on today. Did you just say, is there no sense of decency, immediately followed by saying, here is a cannibal watch? Yes, we did, sir. It's all part of the cavalcade of whimsicality that is the Rick Emerson program. Also part of that is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. See, more on this story. The guy that was mowed down by the SUV, the witnesses say... A woman at the wheel of an RV mowed down a man trying to stop her from driving away. This happened at Northeast 60th Avenue in Prescott. This is a 34-foot-tall motorhome, and it dragged the man that, that, 20 to 30 feet and drove away, leaving him dead. So this woman is still on the loose in this vehicle. Okay. So, but they have, but I thought there were pictures of, of, of the motorhome in question. Uh, apparently they haven't so found it's just, it yet. So she's wheeling madly around the city mm-hmm. as we speak. All right. I mean, the police are looking for the vehicle. It may be too soon to start making these kind of observations, but really, it seems like the algorithm of your 180-pound fleshy body in front of a 4,000-pound box of steel and glass, Mm -hmm. it does seem like the sum of that equation should be pretty easy to get to in a theoretical sense without actually having, you know, throw yourself in front of the RV. So apparently these people live in the neighborhood. (laughs) Okay. Uh, somebody saw the RV pull out. The man exited the vehicle. The woman jumped into the driver's seat. She started pulling away. He jumped in front, and he was yelling. And then he fell underneath. And then she just kept driving. Okay. They don't have the license plate, but they they pretty much know. I would imagine is. the RV will be easy to identify at this particular point in time. Then a driver has been arrested after racing down the freeway at more than 120 miles an hour before abandoning a smoking car at a Gladstone driveway. This was a Volkswagen Pazat. Uh, driving 128 miles on I-205. The car never slowed down, but turned off all its lights as it exited the freeway. There's something really bizarre going on on the roads today. And I know we said that yesterday, too, but there's some sort of uh, there's some sort of tarring agent on the road that is having a deleterious effect on people's driving ability. Under arrest is 20-year-old Gerald Hyron. Charged with reckless driving, endangering another, driving with a suspended license, trying to elude. Everybody is trying to uh, tip over in a kind of a unique fashion the last couple of days. I know. Well, that's why we need this cheerfulness of the Onitas uh, coming up in just a minute. Yeah, true. 
with another one of their top 40 songs. Uh, oh, and just to make matters worse, Winnie the Pooh will kill you. 70,000 Winnie the Poohs are being uh, recalled because they contain lead. So as you're taking off your lipstick, make sure you're returning what your Winnie possible? the Pooh. Stop. What, <laughs> what is, is lead there, not what? in these days? Uh, is there lead? Is there anything However, it can't do? <laughs> it's not the Chinese fault this time. They're using lead in Taiwan and Vietnam. Okay, but I... Scotty, say it. All right. Uh, what possible use would there be for All lead in... Oriental countries. No. Thank you. Um, the... Scotty. Yeah, you should end up with that. That's just, as Scotty would have you say. Uh, the you know what's weird is when you uh, when I was at that time that I was in London, and th- that is a phrase that is all over the UK because I guess it doesn't have the negative connotations that it does have here in America. And so you just said, you know, exciting Oriental fashions, like in huge letters as you would walk down the street, it was sort of everywhere. What possible use would there be for lead inside a Winnie the Pooh doll? I don't know. I mean, is that is that like the Winnie the Pooh that comes with, like, a police sap or something? I don't understand why he would possibly... Like, where would you arrive Like, why at... would you ask any of us about children's toys? I don't under... I don't know. It just it just seems kind of odd. All right. Fair enough. Go ahead. Well, take it from me. Winnie the Pooh will kill you. <laughs> okay. Slowly. Yeah. And with an evil grin on his face before uh, eating your skin and sucking the marrow from your bones. So uh, that's it for me. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we end the news. Fantastic. Excellent. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in all the world. Back at 4, 5, 6, and, and 7, after which your stalking of him may resume anew. Uh, all the way through Lycus. Tim Riley, top of the hour. Uh, let's get a couple of these, then Nickel Arcade will perform uh, another one of their toe-tapping hits for us. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, I just wanted to say happy birthday to Sarah. Thank you. And Welcome is to it, Tuesday. Yes. Is it? Uh, oh, okay. I missed it. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, it, it still means a lot. Thank yes, you. Yes. Today's my birthday, so I was hoping that today was your birthday. How are that we? Would have been. How are you celebrating your birthday? I ask, as though I couldn't tell. I will be drinking at a local watering hole. You will be drinking. You will be you drinking. Yeah, that's going to be later. You wouldn't be doing that now. That would be wrong. No, I haven't had a drop yet. I'm. I'm. Haven't even started yet. Although I have fifty dollars from my dad, so I'm going to get. Uh, rather happy this evening. And Sarah, if you would like to join me, I will buy you a vodka tonic. <laughs> Who can say no to such an oh, offer? Thank you. I'm actually going to a show tonight, but I appreciate it. Oh, oh I see how you are. What? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Are you walking your car alone later? And he doesn't like it at all. Actually, I see how um, you are when I'm looking through your window at Would night. you like to visit my haunted house? <laughs> <laughs> when you're looking at this couch in the back of my van, what are you going to be drinking tonight, sir? Um... Bourbon and Coke. All right. That's a sensible choice, You'll sir. have to drink alone. All right. <laughs> no. There will, there will be people there. People love me. In your head. Um, can, would you... I would feel you this be, program is veering towards a very dark place. <laughs> do, do me the honor of playing the birthday song for me, please. Uh, we'll see if I can dig it up. I had it upstairs. I'll see if I can track it down for him. What's your name, sir? Willie. All right, Willie. How, how old are you, sir? I am 31 today, and I got to go with another glorious bastard to the movie premiere last night. Excellent. The Steve, awesome. Steve Carell film. How was it? It was fabulous. It uh, was funny. All right, Willie. Cool. Happy, happy birthday to you. Be safe, my friend. Thank you, sir. All Bye. right. There you go. Uh-huh. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Uh, I've got some breaking traffic news. Oh, God. No, really? Please, please tell me this back. doesn't involve somebody being hit, dragged, mashed, maimed, pasted, squashed, I mean, no. broadsided. I didn't see any bodies. Why is but, the, why is there never a story about hundreds of fluffy pink bunnies were let go all over the highway and they and gave they were out run over by cars? No, they, they contain lead. They, <laughs> <laughs> no, what is the story, sir? 
uh, on I-5 North, the Columbia Boulevard exit. Uh-huh. We know on that. the exit, it's one of the big roundabout ones. Yeah. That's where There's the semi a... overturned. Oh, yeah. Did you already say that? Yeah, around noontime, yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Still there? Yeah, it, it was only three hours ago. <laughs> They've they got like a, big enough to lift it up. Apparently. Yeah, there's like four. Uh, it looks like one of the semis for the Matrix. It's all accordioned yeah. up. It's really nasty. Yeah, they just stand around and look at things for five or six hours before they decide to do something. You know, the best part is, though, you paused before you said nasty looking. I can tell that you wanted to say it was like gnarly. I could hear yeah. it in here, but you wanted It's really bad, uh, awful. All right, thank but you. It, it, it was carrying a bunch of fluffy pink bunnies, and they're running rampant. Now it's too late. All right. No, I think that was a good callback. All right, final call, and then we'll hear some more from Nicole Arcade. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, uh, hey, I was trying to figure out how you could get lead uh, paint involved in a, in a Teddy the, uh, Winnie the Pooh. Um, and the only thing I can think of is is they're only stuck in fluffy in America, and perhaps in China and Vietnam they're made out of sheet metal or something. <laughs> you know, okay, like that's sharp, funny. Sharp edges, you know, and little pins all sticking out all over the place, you know. Okay, that is kind of funny. I don't know why. It's only funny because I got the visual in my head. It's maybe not funny to anybody else, but that doesn't oh, really come, matter. Come hug Winnie, you know, and you slice off an ear or something, you know. What an odd program. Thank you. Bye now. Okay. Yeah. This email sums it all up. Rick, I've been a listener for a long, long time, but today is the first time I've actually felt winded listening to the program. Just thought you'd like to know. All right. Uh, do their parents know they do pictures on their arms? <laughs> you see, Nick, by the way, uh, talking about the Nickel Arcade guys who've been with us this hour. So Peter, and he's out. <laughs> Peter reminded me of this. I didn't remember meeting you, but we met at the Andrew WK spoken word thing that he did, and I remembered meeting the guy with the Raymond Burr tattoo. Did Tim? Did Tim? Have you seen his Perry Mason tattoo? No, I have not. Check it out. He's got a tattoo of Raymond Burr as Perry Mason. Oh, from the early 60s. Indeed. Before he put on some weight. <laughs> Which is like 35 years before you were even born, so how cool is that? Yeah, well. All right, so uh, you play, uh, play a final song here. All right, so what are, we, uh, what are you going to favor us with? Well, uh, I guess we're going to do a Fountains of Wayne cover. Excellent. That's cool. And this is, uh, oh, this is Hey Julie? Indeed. Mm-hmm. All right, so Hey Julie from the Welcome Interstate Manager's album, a fine song, if I do say so myself. So you... You probably want to pull that mic over and just get a little separate because they do the bleeds a little bit. So, all right, uh, we'll do this and then we'll roll into a break and uh, we'll come back with more. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, one final time at Nickel Arcade on the Rick Emerson Show. Working all day for a mean little man with a clip-on tie and a rub-on tan. He's got me running around the office like a dog around a track. When I get back home, you're always better up my back. Hey, Julie, look what they're doing to me. Trying to ship me up, trying to wear me down. Julie, I swear it's so hard to bear it. And I never make it through out you around. No, I never make it through out you around. Hours on the phone making pointless calls I got a desk full of papers that mean nothing at all Sometimes I catch myself staring into space Counting down the hours till I get to see your face Hey Julie, look what they're doing to me Trying to trip me up, trying to wear me down Julie, I swear it's so hard to bear it And I never make it through, out you around No, I never make it through, out you around how did it come to be that you and I must be far away from each other every day? Yeah. Must have spent my time filling up my mind with facts and figures that never add up anyway. 
MySpace.com slash Nickel Arcade sucks. See them this coming Sunday at Satyricon, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, on MySpace for tickets, dudes. All right. Thank you guys for coming in. All Thank right, you for having us. Nickel Arcade. Back after this to wrap it all up. Uh, like us at 3, Don and Mike at 7. Rick Emerson show continues and finalizes next. And stay right there. You know, I kind of feel winded, too. I we now know. enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day. We really need a webcam for days like this or something. <laughs> Final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Like is coming up at 3. Donald Mike at 7. Uh, while I'm thinking about it, before we forget, uh, I want to thank Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio uh, and Nickel Arcade uh, today. Don't forget also Miles Around tomorrow from 9 to 11 with our good friend uh, Dennis Pittsburgh. All right. Now, right. I'm get, now I'm getting nothing, but can the Nickel Arcade guys write a song for me, too? No, I'm sorry. Not going to happen, though. The... I know. That was so cute. No, that window has closed, sir or madam. All right. How long until everything kind of gets rolling here? Four minutes. Four minutes. All right. But we have a guest in the studio. We too. do. So, uh, again, and, and, so, and I, I don't mean this uh, to come out wrong. There's a guest who may or may not mean anything to anybody until I sort of give a little background. If you oh, go until to, they um, look at her picture. What's I'm saying? Until you go to RickEmerson.com. Go to rickemerson.com, and you're going to see two things posted there. Uh, the first thing is uh, a, a YouTube video uh, for a six-minute film called uh, Counterparts of Fate, which was submitted for the 48-hour film festival. And I, I did have some involvement in it, but that's not really why I posted it. I posted it because it was the collective effort of a, of a whole bunch of people uh, that I know. Our good friend Jaris Minsky directed that, Patrick Rochelle, Nate Baker. did A whole bunch of people worked on it, and it stars, uh, among other folks, uh, a girl named Kelsey, who is in the Kelsey studio. Kelsey Danger. I didn't know if you wanted me to give your full, like, modeling name. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Kelsey Danger. Model. People, people think that's my last name sometimes. I will say this. So people if you, so right. If you go to RickEmerson.com, you'll see two things. You'll see Counterparts of Fate, which uh, stars, and I'm, I'm not, I won't give anything away about it because it's kind of an interesting film to watch, but Kelsey Danger plays a uh, a villain. Yeah. And then, and then about, I don't know, probably six inches in web space, but about like three postings down, you will see uh, a music video for the Nicodemus song, And It Becomes You. Sarah, why don't you tell us all about the video for And It Becomes You? Well, I think Kelsey and I can both touch on that Yay. one a little bit. So to speak. <laughs> 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 oh, Kelsey's, um, 
Kelsey has kind of a, I know we keep saying Betty Page thing. But I say it because everybody knows what it means. It's an yeah, easily understood reference. So Joni DeRoshi is the greatest person ever, and so every time she asks for a film, you know, any you know, any of us to work on any of a project with her, everybody jumps at the opportunity. Oh, yeah. Especially if it means Kelsey running around in a whip and underwear <laughs> with a rope. It's yeah. lingerie. It's lingerie. It's it's lingerie. Vintage lingerie. Now, is Kelsey, edited, how do I... Uh, you can ask her. She's right there. Well, no, I'm, I'm trying to get this straight. Who... who I never thought in my life that I would be asking these questions of Sarah. Who ties who up in this video? I tie up Sarah Moon. Okay, Sarah Moon, who is uh, an attractive girl in her own right. Very pretty girl. Really so hot. it's a whole video full of hot girls tying each other up. And I whip basically. a couch. Yes, it's pretty funny. So Kelsey it, has the whip. It's very yeah. funny. So it, I would strongly, I would heartily recommend uh, that really, just if you have eyes, really, uh, the ears are, you know, the ears are a nice bonus. Well, it's a beautiful video. It's it like is. A, it's what, like a classic music video, not just a bunch of, you know, half-naked girls shaking their asses in the camera. Cause it's not even mm-hmm. about that. It's yeah, about the, I, it's about it's the art of the movie. I'm trying to walk this really fine line, yeah, it's where like I'm talking about because it is. And what I, it is, it's like an old burlesque-style film playing in the background as a band plays in front of it. So we're all grainy and out of focus. You can't really tell what's going on. It's, it's like, like an amateur burlesque. Claw. And right. I would say, Irving yeah, Claw. Irving Claw, who did a lot mm-hmm. of those 50s pinup uh, That's shots. That's what going for. Really, if I didn't know better. Uh, and this is a tribute to, to Joni, who's a great director. And I should say, by the way, I have no stake in this at all. I'm just uh, talking about it because some, you know, some folks that we know are in it. No, and it's a great a piece bagel, of art. I think, <laughs> you got craft um, services. I got, yeah, nothing, pretty much. Um, <laughs> it's all gone. If I didn't know <laughs> I better, I would think the footage was 60 years old. I mean, if I, if, if I didn't know, if I didn't know you guys and somebody showed me the video, I would think it was footage from 1945. Yeah. Uh, so it really is pretty amazingly done. I know when Joni approaches you and says, hey, so I have this idea for this video where you guys are going to be, you know, in lingerie <laughs> and you're going to be tying up some chick. But I swear it's not going to look slutty at all. Like, I know. It was hard to believe her, but she did it, man. Yeah. She did it. So for good so or bad, it's uh, it's not slutty. I mean, so it's it's a great piece of uh, art, though. You really should go check it out. Uh, the band is Nicodemus. There's a link to their site there. Uh, the song is uh, And It Becomes You, uh, available on the Vanity is a Virtue album. And uh, so you can see that. And then you can also see a uh, short film for the 48-hour film festival, also with Kelsey Danger. So that's all at Rick Emerson. Yeah, so thanks for it. I just, um, we found out that we work right next door to each other. Well, like, I, I know. know. And then talk about something. I bicycle by you the other day and I was like in the back of my head I'm like that's odd I just really? bicycled by her why is she there and in front of you work like a couple blocks from us that's my smoke break area mm. alright <laughs> not that you do any such thing no, no. of course not that would... uh, what, how, when, when is everything starting here? Uh, two seconds two seconds okay yeah Excellent. All right. Uh, so, Kelsey Danger, thank you for coming on in. Go yeah, to rickemerson.com to see a couple pieces of her work. Sarah Dillon, also in the video for, uh, uh, for And It Becomes You. We want to thank Nickel Arcade. Their website is myspace.com slash Nickel Arcade. Sucks. Scott Daly from filmfeverradio.com. Uh, also, uh, Steve Castabom, Lisa Desjardins, and Rachel McGrath, who hates me. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970, Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley, the PA is Scotty J. The gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. Like us next, Donna Mike at 7, Miles Around tomorrow, 9 to 11. We'll see you Monday at 11 a.m. As always, my friends, thank you for listening. Don't let bastards grind you down. Watch out for snakes. Be safe. Have a good weekend. Drive carefully. Bye. In less than an hour. Don't hang noodles off my ears.